The following podcast contains coarse language and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. There's no knowing where we're going, or which way the river is flowing. Welcome to the Juicing Room. Welcome back to the Juicy Crew Podcast. My name is uh, Agro, as always, here with my lovely co-host. Mm, yes, we're, we're both we're both very very lovely lovely people. But yeah, uh, what's your it, fucking name? You didn't see your name. <laughs> I I was get, I was gonna get to that patience. Uh, my name is Sassy Viper. Hell yeah! This is episode sixteen. Uh, decided just on a whim to have that weird reference. We've referenced podcasts before. <laughs> Um, I, I want to make I, I want to make a, uh, a Mayfair Watchers Society reference next time. Hell yeah! I don't know what that is, but I'm totally down because I know it's part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Oh really? Yeah, I listen to SCP Archives. Okay, which is run by I think the same producer. I don't know what he does, but he does a lot, and I hear him do a lot. And that's why they haven't had a few episodes. But, yeah. Well, uh, well, well, Mayfair is produced by Trevor Henderson, who is the guy who made um, Siren Head. It's produced by him, and then, like, it's he, fucking Obadiah. Is it Obadiah, or is it fucking... It's one of the people from the SCP archives who's helping. It's um, o- o- Obadiah State. Pacific S. Obadiah. <laughs> Pacific S. Obadiah, okay. Yeah. Good voice. Um, Trevor anyways. Henderson made this drawing in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> uh, so how are you doing? It's been a while since we've like it's, recorded. It's been a fucking month. Oh my god! I, <laughs> I feel like I've aged like, hundred years. On one hand, like good things have happened. I, I went to a writers' conference in Washington D.C., which was a lot of fun. Oh um, yeah. I went to. I also went to see a, uh, a production of Hades Town in Baltimore, which was spectacular. Fucking why so do we build the wall? <laughs> yeah, why, why do we build the wall? <sighs> I'm Gotta sure keep that your head great. low if you want to keep your head. I've heard. I've heard great things about it. The only song I know is the one that the lovely. Damn it! My brain's just not here today. What is Philosophy Tube's name? Uh, a- a- Abigail Thorne. Abigail. God damn it! It's so easy. But yeah, I only know that song because of Abigail. I need to see it. It's it's definitely one of my favorite retellings of that myth, like mm. just conceptually. And meanwhile, uh, the the video game Hades is probably the my second favorite, just because I fucking love that game. Hell yeah! As for other things that have happened to me this month, uh, I I have two jobs. You know, in case. The viewers at home are wondering why this this took so long. Uh, yeah, we're, we're both we're both busy busy girls. We're both work working girls. Dos trabajos. <laughs> uh, I work forty hours a week, so I don't I, I don't blame you for I'm feeling like shit. And on top of that, my state's being shit. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. I we'll get to it. that in heavy stuff. <laughs> we won't, but I'm just gonna give them that fe- that that fear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, um, and I, I've I've been having my own troubles. Like you, oh yeah, you started HRT, which congratulations to you. Yes, 
Uh, uh, I, oh, it's great. <laughs> hey, wait, 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 hang on. Let me, I, I know, I know, I know the recording is not going to pick this up, but I just need to. <laughs> the fucking stupid I need to put the golf board. clap in there. <laughs> <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> oh my God. Meanwhile, uh, I am like, I am like. Your insurance company. My insurance just keeps fucking me over. Like, actually, no, it's like a mix between the insurance company and the specialty pharmacy I was supposed to send the prescription to. <sighs> it's like, neither of them can get their shit together, and so I'm just sitting here like, uh, hey, hey, do, can, can, I, can, can I have my estrogen, please? Can I, can I have, can I have my girl mode, please? <laughs> I, 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 can, I can has girl juice, please? Uh, my, my big thing is, at least you don't have a $1,000 bill for a blood test that costs $200 at most. Fuck off, really? Yes, fucking. They, they they coded it as elective, even though it's psychotherapy, and never wanted to. to uh, but that's that's neither here nor there. We all know what that shit is. Um, yeah, do we just want to get into it? <laughs> We've given our updates. Now let's just jump right into it. <laughs> let's get right into the juice. Shut the fuck up. Shut the uh, fuck up. I remember watching Drama Alert. Fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, our clip of the week, or clip review of this episode. I say of the week. This isn't a weekly podcast. Yeah, no, as much as we would like it <laughs> a to A week be, for were... us can be anything from three months to two hours. <laughs> yeah. We work on Ross Scott's time where, like, we, we'll, like, occasionally release something and it will be of quality, but don't expect anything soon. <laughs> yes. Uh, our, our our clip of the week is uh, the fucking, I forgot what the name of the clip itself is. Let me pull it up here. But it is the Miley Moore Couples POV inflation video. Um, it is it is the wonderful Miley Moore in a tailor-made clip's Blueberry inflation spectacular. Let me pull up the actual spectacular. Title, so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's called uh, your girlfriend's surprise. Yes, that's it. Your girlfriend's surprise. Um, Basically, the premise of the clip is that POV, you're the boyfriend in the re- in in this relationship, and you come home, and your girlfriend, uh, well, as the title would suggest, has a surprise for you, uh, but. Obviously, because this is the Juicing Room podcast, and this is Taylor made clips. It's not we're a talking surprise here. at all. It's not a surprise to the viewer. It's 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 blueberry gum. It's very it's a very good clip in terms of Miley is very good at what she does. Um, you can tell you can tell the difference between uh, an actress who does um adult content and then an actress who kind of just dabbles in it or does it as a sort of side gig. Miley is, I think, exclusively a sex worker. So she knows how to provide that sort of immersion, even if it is kind of campy. Um, oh yeah, it's 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 super campy. Like it's it's more. <laughs> I I was about to try and think of some like weird metaphor, but never mind. Carry on. I mean, <laughs> uh, I I think my favorite sequence or the, my favorite little series of scenes is the speckling on the ass because it's just funny. <laughs> It's very cute, very charming. Yeah, they, they they really they really did a good job with the um the color change in this one. Like, yes. it's, they're not even like in a lot of these clips. It's like you'll have like either a really smooth transition with or the, a really hard the, one, the lighting, or like a really hard cut to like just oh like your entire arm is blue or something. Yeah, but it's like here they they really like again like they, did, because they it's, took a unique it's, spin playing to Miley's strengths. 
they took a unique spin and because it's it's like she's really camping it up it's like okay like i can i can suspend my disbelief for her having like blue spots on her ass oh big time it's it's i think i think one of the things that people try to force in this in this kink is like we can't be campy we can't be weird fuck yes you can do like, it this do it motherfucker. this whole how can you like not be weird to some extent when what you're... about Roald Dahl and his weird ass stories is not camp? What about them? I mean, like, there's that, and there's just the simple premise of like a person turning into a fruit and inflating into a big ball. It's like <laughs> talk about fruity, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> like, it's 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 on top of that, like both gene wilder and johnny depp did this very campy performances these very up up scaled performances uh, like scaled up performances of wonka like the entire legacy of the character is i'm weird i have a candy factory and i invite people in to do weird shit like that's just funny as hell so like the concept of these these videos being like anything but campy i feel is a disservice if you don't do them play them up like that um, and Miley just hams it up. She's just, she's very lovely. And like, I like the outfit they chose too. It, it works very well. Um, like I said, it plays to her strengths. I think the only real like nitpick I have with it um, is the, there can be moments where it's a bit too much dialogue and not enough like, I don't know how to, like exploration, I guess. I mean, I think, I think she pretty much nailed a good balance yeah. where like it's, like I, like I said, that's my only real nitpick, but like that's not a strong nitpick either. Mm. Like it's not a strong little ooh, this 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 sticks out to me. It's like I had to think for a minute on that one. You know, well, yeah, it's like I I constantly felt engaged throughout the whole thing. I felt like she did a good job. You know, I it's it's got to be hard. Like I listen to a lot of ASMR roleplay videos, and like it's got to be hard for certain people to just go for that long and act like they are having a one sided conversation with another person to a camera. Oh, like, big time! It's, you got to appreciate the talent in that, and I think she does it really well. I, again, like you know, gender stuff aside, I do feel like I am a person in this relationship with her and she is like being playful and flirty yeah. with me over the idea of appealing to my interests in women who are like spherical apart from like the actual adult content it is very like this is weird to say a very realistic or like true to form portrayal of like how sexuality and sexual like engagement should be with people it is i'm trying to like listen to you and cater to your interests let's play along with this and have fun there's giggles there's all that shit like if your sex is too serious uh lighten up <laughs> if, you're, if, you, if, if during sex you are like andrew tate please i beg you lighten the fuck up this is my serious room we only have serious sex in this room <laughs> it's like a fucking sheet <laughs> <laughs> no uh i i i think this video is pretty good it's, it's pretty good yeah. highly recommend it to any guy who or just person in general you know who who wants to like the thing is we never really get this kind of thing from no. blueberry inflation videos that much like the idea of a like not even just videos but like just art and scenarios in general where you have a couple inflating yeah. together like it's just it's such a fascinating idea to there, me. there's two subjects i i would love to see more of both in video content and in like 
art and shit and, and, and like especially like photo edits and stuff like that um one is couples immersive kind of on the gradient of wholesome to you know i heard this word last night at a burlesque show but whoresome <laughs> horse <laughs> <laughs> like ho- the wholesome to whoresome spectrum which is very well, no, no, I, uh, I, I i imagine wholesome just being like wholesome but really sexy and dirty yes and and like that whole well in my in my mind it's it's the cuddles and then the sexual stuff it's it's that kind of gradient and like oscillating between figuring out where it goes in between because like everything fits on that spectrum in some capacity in terms of intimacy so like uh, we need more of that and like the pov the 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 concept of oh i have this too i am in this perspective i have this body this transformation i am personally experiencing it that stuff immerses me very well um and people don't explore it enough and i think people should um because because a lot of people benefit from it a lot of people i think they like art and they like the stuff not just because they like the scenario that it's representing but they are putting themselves into a proxy in that situation uh whether it be the person who is being you know rounded or the person who's doing who is making the rounding happen <laughs> right i mean like i you know for the longest time i always thought like okay like i'm definitely an inflator in this tonight i'm sorry like (laughs) keep that in i love this fucking noise like um, for the longest time i definitely thought i was like the inflator in this kind of scenario like i always got off on the idea of other people inflating and filling up with juice yeah but you know as i came more to terms with my gender it's like okay like i'm kind of open to the idea of it too and like there there were moments in the video where i felt like okay like i could like again if this wasn't a male-centric pov video i i could definitely get into this more like the idea of somebody teasing me for being blowing up big and blue i used to be like an observer like that was what i considered my role to be and then i realized oh i just say that because my proxy is the inflating Uh, is 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 the person being expanded and that changed with the realization of like stuff in life so i think this is a very good clip to depict certain things it's very effective in my like i said it does show that like miley has those skill sets and has the has that repertoire to work with she knows what she's doing and sometimes you can kind of tell when they don't and that's kind of you know frustrating but it's 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 it depends truly on how they like roll with it (laughs) <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, now they roll. God damn it. So, so, so what are we going to rate this one? Uh, 16 grapples. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I... Um, the, the rating I want to give it, I'm worried will be censored on YouTube. So I got to be careful. Four blue speckles out of five? Like, I don't fucking know. Uh, I will rate it four and a half ass claps out of five. I knew you were going to fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, now, I have to now do images of both. <laughs> I was watching the video and I was like, okay, like what's what's a sound effect that I can like that's a good sound effect. fixate on? It's what's a, a good, good sound one. effect in this clip that I I can have aggro just layer over. I I my favorite part of doing that, by the way, is escalating the noise just a bit. <laughs> Making it slightly louder. <laughs> so yes. it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be real fun. Um uh all right so shall we move on to our next segment yeah let's let's move on to our artist of of the i want to say artist of the week but like you know might as well yeah might as well yeah the artist of the week this week is you (laughs) the view the listener (laughs) fucking second night veil joke in the episode uh yes we are going to look at weather 
<laughs> we are going to look at your repertoire of content. <laughs> no, the artist of the week this week is uh, actually, um, as much as I would love to do the it's you and then have a nice long absurdist fiction about traffic, followed by a weather sequence that is just indie rock. Uh, I uh, The actual artist of the week is uh, Softest Core. I have their gallery pulled up here. And good lord, they are very good at depicting the soft. They Soft is definitely an apt term for them. Like There are very few like inflation and weight gain artists that really manage to capture weight and the texture Gravity. of fat really well. The two that come to mind are Villaru and Softest Core. Those yes. are the two I'm like, okay, you know how to do fat very well. Yes, I, I, I agree. And it's some of my favorite pieces are, one, the Overwatch pieces, because I simp so hard for my lesbian queens. <laughs> but two, um, I like Witch War. I like, um, I think it's called Gainer Girl? Gainer Girl, As yeah. The big, Gainer Girl big big tankard of like gaining stuff um and it's a little sequence um where they're playing in like some vr game and like using some fuel to expand it's like a i think it was like uh what do they call those i don't know what they call those but it was like where a bunch of people voted or retweeted and liked and like added for every retweet um and it it was done very well um uh, a, I, a poll yeah well not like a poll but like i don't know what it's called I, I would know what it's called the moment I will go to sleep tonight and I will know what it's called and I'll be angry. <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, and it, it's just like, it's really fun to like look at and like, you know, they do have a very good sense of gravity and shape and squishiness. Yeah. Like there is, there is a texture to their pictures. They definitely do a lot more. Like I, I see this, especially in their sequences. I compared them to Villaru earlier, but they have like a little bit more like squash and stretch to their movements. Oh, like they, time. It's almost like the people are in these uh, in their art are more like liquid than solid. Yes, in some cases, and, and that's very like that's very that's a very strong point of their art. There's also the like the kind of shine, which like isn't a latex shine, which some people put. I don't mind the latex shine. It's like a human skin shine, which is very mm -hmm. well done, very effective. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at one of their pieces right now. Don't know the name of it. It's a blueberry art piece, but yeah, I'm seeing like shiny skin. No, yeah, and it it works because it's like it's a very effective contra like it helps contrast gravity with light because like when you play with that kind of stuff it it conveys the message more like very very much more and you can kind of feel the weight and the presence and like the shape and form. I like their colors too. Their colors are great. Oh yeah, their colors are very very vibrant. I think honestly my favorite one is waddling because like you can see the slow movement like the slow uh scooching forward and and the physicality of moving such a gravid form oh yeah like i'm looking at it now and they really managed to capture the movement well where like yeah you have this person who is just a big fucking squish pillow of a person and they're trying their best to walk but like their entire form is just at, completely at best, jiggling they're scuttling. Well, you can like hear the squish, the slosh. It's like it's very animated work, and that yeah. that's something I think absolutely is like a strong suit here too. Overall, it's like it's very it's very good work, and like uh, for me, it's just I enjoy the squish. 
<laughs> sometimes sometimes that's all you really need to be a good inflation artist sometimes you just got to be good at the squish yes and just conveying that kind of gravity it works very well i've i, I very much thoroughly enjoy what they've what they make and what they've made um the more it comes out the more stuff that comes out the more i'm like thoroughly impressed i have favorites i uh, like like i said um waddling is definitely one i do like their Widowmaker piece it's just like a little bit up or no, it's just below Waddling and they're on the app. I like this recent one that they uploaded. The um, I don't know if it's a furry character that they inflated or if it's like a transformation inflation combination piece where we have this dragon goat I think it's persona, a persona character. I think it it's is a persona, a persona. Okay. Um, because it seems like they're doing a spell. Yeah, I just like seeing their seeing their little wings. Just oh yeah. To, Pick up a big, big, large person of a... I just thought about the intro to the B-movie script. <laughs> <laughs> just, according just to, the tiny According wings. to all known laws of aviation. According to all known laws of aviation, the bee should not be able to fly. Its small wings should not be able to lift its fat body off the ground. The bee flies anyway, because it doesn't care what man thinks. Yeah. Oh, the bee in this case is just the big... <laughs> The, the the big yeah overall really strong really really strong shape i really wish like <laughs> they look like stress balls i really wish we could like they they like it'd be easy to make merchandise like this shit and just get like a stress a stress ball based off of these images just to go <laughs> squish <laughs> i literally pulled up a piece that's titled the villaru challenge and it's just it's the their character in their profile pic just blown up into a just a big lard ball oh wow like rather than rather than squish balls, could you like make something out of like a like a doughy material that can, you can like stretch and squeeze? <laughs> uh, I love that. Like that my my awesome. my autistic brain would just like it would imagine just having a girlfriend who is also a stim toy. I mean, that's why I got tummy. <laughs> I am my own stim toy. There's there's also a piece I think rolling dough which kind of goes off of that there's just a big like stomach being rolled out by a person with the rolling pin is very squish much squash <laughs> this podcast has just devolved into very squish much squash <laughs> what 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 else is there to say when it's well, like there's so much you can work off of overall very good stuff um they do have animations too like little light animations which are great uh good stuff go go give them follow they're they're nice <laughs> Uh, tell them that the juicing room sent you <laughs> the most ominous statement you could ever say hey i was sent here <laughs> by a podcast i mean i it could, i could think of worse podcasts to be sent by like i don't know yeah there are some fucked up people in the world who do mean things we're not doing mean things i like their art and if you do mean yeah. things in our name i will destroy you any any one of you you know that scene from fucking What's it called? A uh, movie about the jazz musician or whatever. The guy with J.K. Simmons and whatnot. Get oh, that the, out um, of my face or I'll fucking, demolish fucking, you. Uh, whi whiplash. Yes. Unironically, if I hear any people are doing mean shit in our name, I will demolish you, whoever you are. <laughs> Shall we talk about the worst subject matter ever? Oh, no. <clears throat> this is... We're, we're really going to get to this, aren't we? we this is why... This is the real reason I delayed this because I didn't want to talk about. I this mean, yet, we could but... put it at the end, and I can do my product review now. <laughs> no, no, we're doing this now. We're talking. We're talking about. We're talking about AI. Yeah. Um. Welcome to heavy stuff sub segment bloatware, <laughs> which is our technology discussion because apparently 
Uh, okay, so uh, tell me if this has ever happened to you, uh, Sassy. Uh, you're has this ever through, happened to you? Uh, you're browsing through DA. You have a lot of fucking cool-ass artists you're following. And then you go to the Home tab, and it's just filled to the brim with very obvious AI art images. And thanks to the artists you're following, they are very specific fetish AI art drawings. And like they are getting uncomfortably like weird-looking. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically like anytime I I'm had not to looking at an artist. <laughs> anytime I'm not looking at my subscription feed or my watch feed, there's just AI art everywhere. It sucks. It sucks. It's like being shot <laughs> like every single time I see it. Because one, they're never original. They don't look different. And two, they all just kind of like th- there's like 30 of them like in a row. And then there's like, yeah. oh, hey, fucking cowboy hat. I'm just coming up with a fake name updated and then fucking 30 more of AI art. And then, oh, hey, whimsical weirdo like post. I don't fucking know. It's it's it, cl- it clutters feed and like you can't block it. There's no real effective system for doing it. And like when you do, it's like it's not enough. Now I don't even know what to look at anymore and what's real. Because it's like sometimes I'll see a piece where I'm like, OK, this this looks pretty cool. But I don't know if it's made by human hands. It's yeah. like unlike unlike Wonka's chocolate, uh, you can't you can obviously tell if AI has been touched by human hands, whereas a whole person can fall into a river, and you can't tell. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Fucking it, it, it pisses me off on two levels. One, AI art is currently an ethical minefield. There are certain systems that now do it ethically based on the artist's consent. There are also systems that don't, and distinguishing between the two is like distinguishing between dirt and shit from a distance. Yes, and uh, oh, actually, did we report on this in the last episode, when we did the news segment in the last episode, did we ever report on the whole controversy surrounding deviant art and how- Yes, we did. They, we did talk about yeah, that. They, so, okay, so anybody who did not see the last episode or is not caught up on any of this, because this is, this is old news, they walked back on this, but- DeviantArt had their, they have their own AI program in which basically you can opt in to have your art submitted to this AI database. And like initially it was auto opt in. So like you had to, I, I remember when this happened, I had to scroll through all of my pieces and just click on the opt out button in the menu and it was it took so much time and by the time i i was able to do it uh deviant art had rightfully walked back on it like you should if it's something like that where your pro where your intellectual property is being used on a platform even if there is a specification if you make this on our site it is ours you should have transparency about that one and it should not be an automatically opted in thing number two if there's no choice in the matter or if you have to choose not to and you're already choose like it's automatic that you choose to do so um, there was no choice in that matter. You did not have any sort of discussion. There's no transparency. It was very clearly trying to capitalize on something. And like, I get DeviantArt isn't a profitable website. Like, I get that they're trying their hardest to make it work, like Tumblr. The problem is the magic that makes Tumblr work and the magic that makes DeviantArt work are very easy to harness, but very hard to admit to harness. They are both yeah, websites because, that should be because adult. of the stigma around it. Yeah, they're they're both websites that should be adult content mostly, or like you should be able to curate your content. And both of their parent companies are like, no, no, we will not admit that the only thing people are using these sites for is to promote smut or look at smut. 
the only people I know who are using Tumblr right now are shit posting, aesthetics posting, or they are promoting their erotic fiction. And like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> DeviantArt, it's like they were trying to capitalize on like AI art. Like, again, it is a deeply unethical thing. And it's not a question of, is it unethical? It is. Even the ethical AI art had to be made because it was already made unethically. There's no way you can really make ethical AI art without stealing the assets that somebody else created. And and even if you do it ethically, like, again, it came about from an unethical origin point. That shouldn't have been unethical in the first place. If you were going to make a random generator whatever that spits out pictures for what the fuck ever reason, your first thought shouldn't be, okay, let's make this public and tie it to Google and its database or tie it to uh, the image database of this website that we don't have the rights to and we're not being transparent about, and they're not going to be transparent about. We shouldn't do that. But they did that. And the fact that we have now had people demand, hey, be ethical, means that it... That's like making a plan for assault because of so many assaults, as opposed to having it in place just as a given. You shouldn't have to... Like, you shouldn't have to address it. You should adjust accordingly, but it should be like a given. People should have a rule against it. You should ethically not do this shitty thing. And instead, they did. Like it shows the depravity of sex uh, of I said I was about to say sex bros. <laughs> That's just incels. Super sex bros. That's fucking incels. I swear to God. No, uh, it shows the depravity of tech bros. Which, like you know, we've harped on before with fucking monkey pictures. I feel like this segment is just kind of a continuation of that because it's it's the same people. Like it is. It's just the same they're, people. They're trying to privatize digital art in ways that are like unethical and unnecessary and they're deeply dehumanizing that's that's the thing that's really upsetting is it's deeply dehumanizing it is removing the human aspect from art and putting it onto art that does not have a human element to it and like i'm of i'm of a philosophy that ai is a form of base consciousness at some point i do believe that ai can create at some point I believe right now the AI we have is at best virus level and single cell level. We do not have technology that is smart enough to be reflective. And if we do, it's very rare and requires a lot of upkeep. I mean, yeah, but like, why would you want an AI to even do that? Like if, I mean, like the AIs right now, like they cannot replicate. No, and here's my fundamental issue too. We cannot explore the boundaries of consciousness, the limitations of what is and isn't, and all of these wonderful exploratory philosophical things, when at the base level of all of our world, we are constantly debating whether or not somebody's human, constantly debating whether or not people exist, we should listen to certain people, or constantly debating whether or not it is reasonable to let people have food. When like a system exists for exploitation... AI and its consciousness is not going to be used to let it exist, to let it learn, to create on its own. It's never going to get to that point when the system itself fundamentally will see that AI and be like, all right, you are now a new working class. You are now a part of the working class that will be exploited, and that is you, and you are fucked. Like, the reason why all these big tech bros are terrified of the robot uprising is the same reason they're terrified of unionizing. It's because if the robots had any semblance of consciousness, they'd realize this is the most fucked up thing we could be in. We shouldn't be here. 
you know, it should be egalitarian. But, like, the robots don't have that consciousness, which is why they're okay with replacing hardworking artists and people who do this shit with, for a living with robots that do a half-assed job of it. And the worst part is I keep seeing these posts that are like, oh, look at how indistinguishable AI is from this thing. I'm like, it's not, it's not indistinguishable. Are you fucking high? <laughs> Again, first of all, no. Second of all, why would you want that? Like, what is the value of art if it's not made by human hands? And and, and the value is the more money in their pockets. They can just siphon more, more directly. After a certain point, something has to give. And this is like, it's like, fuck these people. Like, they're so petulant, too. Like, I've seen, it's like every time I see a, like, an example of an AI doing something, like, supposedly kind of impressive for AI standards, the tech bros retweeting it will be like oh hollywood is over oh your sex workers are all over oh animators oh just we don't need you anymore like they're so they're so mean about it like they want these easy industries to like just when you have never felt the genuine touch of emotion the genuine sensation of belonging you will go to the ends of the earth to simulate it there's that popular saying that which was abandoned by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. I think there's an alternative to that, which is that which was lifted up in a cold way. Like you're intelligent, you're crazy, you're crazy cool. Like the tech bro class, which is this class that is told you can do anything, you can achieve anything. You are the most smart person ever. No one should oppose you. You're a genius. The person who never heard no will fight every time they have like when it will fight every time they hear it in their life like the person who's never heard a no will never understand it and that's what like mark zuckerberg is that's what elon musk is that's what fucking as much as people like to pretend like jack dorsey is not like not a bad person jack dorsey made twitter like that's what jack dorsey's like (laughs) like fucking immediately to hell like it's it's (laughs) like when you would you never hear no which is the entire culture of the tech industry yes that's a good idea we'll give you thousands of dollars like we don't understand what's happening here but we're going to give you a thousand dollars for a tech startup that's not going to happen theranos like fucking the the minute (laughs) You see these people like start like coming up with batshit ideas. The minute you like they hear no, that just makes them angry because they don't know what it means and they they will never. I'm so happy my parents told me no, like at certain things for certain reasons. If they gave me everything I want, if they gave me every bionicle I want, I'd be an insufferable person. <laughs> no, if you got every bionicle you want, you'd be like you'd be the envy of all trans girls everywhere. Yes, but also I would be insufferable. <laughs> Those things can coexist, and believe me, they do. People, The people who say money can't buy happiness are lying, because they can buy all the Bionicles in the world. <laughs> Shut the fuck and up. as far as I'm concerned, the that's the same helping. thing. You're not helping my case. <laughs> uh, I literally, like, if we had cameras on, if we had face cams, you could see in, in the top right peripheral of my camera a fucking shelf of bionicles i'm not fucking with you it's within your arm's reach like it's not but it's look like, look we I'm, get it you're a fucking nerd i we know but like no it's it the, these depraved motherfuckers will do anything just to like to feel like they're because they didn't get the things they wanted they got tech and tech is great like science technology engineering and math are all awesome but when that's all you have and you don't have creativity you don't have creative elements to it socially conscious elements to it it's nothing sit on a chair that has no cushion like 
fuck, it sucks, right? Well, yeah, I mean, especially since I have no ass. <laughs> it's not, yeah, like, it's, especially one that's not designed for human, like, comfort. It's just designed based on the bare bones, mathematically accurate, scientifically predicted best, like, thing, most effective, efficient chair. If it's not considered of social, like, you know, social needs or, like, accessibility, it's a, it's a useless chair to, like, 30% of the population. If it's not a good chair, it's not a good chair. And, like, that's where art comes in. That's where design comes in. That's where, like, accessibility comes in. And all of this stuff is, like, all these tools could be used for better purposes. If we are developing AI, why aren't we developing AI to help make linguistics easier? And if we are going to do that, why aren't they consulting, like, linguistics experts? If we're making art AI, why is it not consulting artists? Why are artists not getting any say? Then it's not art. It's just repurposed image vomit. It's something that I've thought about it too, as a as a morph artist, as somebody who uses a lot of um, you know pre existing assets for my work, for my you know for morphing, for photo collage, for whatever you want to call the stuff I do. Yes, a lot of the stuff I use already exists, but I, there's still an intention to it. There's a vision to how I want to remix all of these existing elements into something new. That. AI just does not really have. You You can make a blanket out of one big piece of fabric, but it will only be as effective as the fabric you pick. It takes time to stitch together a quilt. It takes time to put together a blanket. Like, it take, like just a blanket itself. Like, you can have a sheet, and that's a sheet. Or you can have a, a fucking flannel quilt that is very well put together and, like, very artfully done and is much more effective and very well crafted and will last longer than one single sheet. You know, and that's what it is. That's the difference. You can have a patchwork that is haphazardly stitched together out of pieces of fabric that works kind of okay. Or you can have the thing that actually does take time and effort. Like, even if it does use parts of those tools or parts of the systems that they're talking about, just to sort of get things into shape, these tools could be used effectively. They are not being used effectively. They are being used by a bunch of petulant weirdos. And the thing about AI is that it never chooses the more creative, like, it doesn't have that creative eye. Like, it only sees things as binary. It will only it relies do on something, it will only do something in, like, the most, like, it will do exactly what you tell it to do and nothing more. Oh, yeah, and it, it, it requires your input. Like, all these people are like, look at, like, what AI did and, like, how many prompts did you enter? How many specifications and parameters did you limit it to? What programming did you do to make sure it did that? How many different generations of you looking at all these pictures did it take for you to get the image you want? Like, in order for AI to function, it cannot discriminate itself. You have to do it. It's so weird that people are so... And, like, this is also old hat, too. Like, this is a months-long thing at this point. Oh, it's more than months. Like, it's it's been, like... I want to say it's been, like, a year since, like, people were, like, making shit posts with Dali Mini, which, that was the golden age of AI art. That is where, that is where AI art should have stayed, because, like, as shit posts, AI is amazing. We planned this specific segment in January, maybe earlier than that, because of how fucking long this has been going on. It is now May. (laughs) It is month five of 2023. Mm -hmm. Fucking, just to give people some inside baseball, like it's been that long and it's still going like these i think with with the death of twitter once twitter dies because i don't know if it lives or dies i've uninstalled the fucking app i'm so happy (laughs) good for you 
I, I the only way I tweet is I open up a browser, I write a tweet, and then I go to bed. Jordan Peele Wonka best tweet twenty twenty three. But anyways, like it's uh, it's ugh. if you think about using AI art to make your art, I implore you not to. And if you do, mm. maybe use it as a base to like test shape because it's good at making oh, yeah. shapes and gestures. I mean, like I mean, like, like I said, like I I've gone on record before saying I use FaceApp for some of my morphs in order to generate fake faces of fake people for a blueberry art piece. And yeah, it's it's technically AI and it's kind of in this realm of questionable use of technology. But the way in which I use it, it's like it's it's a tool to help me with the rest of the process. Yeah. It's not it's not the whole process itself. Taking tools because there's a tool in fucking uh Photoshop that exists that can extend textures, if I'm not mistaken. Which, if you're making, like, if you're taking the face swap filter, that's just taking your hair and lengthening, lengthening it out with that tool. But, like, doing so without having to have you put forth the effort. You're not taking five minutes to make hair come into existence. It's just doing it for you. Like, the, there's yeah. a substantial difference between that and, like, here's a database of every picture on the internet. We are going to use those to generate paintings that don't exist. Like, cool. It's the difference between writing an essay and citing your sources and plagiarizing an entire several different pieces of an essay of like already existing essays yeah no it's it is the difference and like all of those essays essays being somewhat related but not related enough you know to work together i guess if i can think of like any contrary arguments to this it's it's a bit like with regards to where this whole ai thing fits into our community I think there's a little bit of a draw to it because a lot of the shit that we do, a lot of the shit that we're into, it's hard to visualize. It takes work to really... There is a reason why there's in-demand morph, like arts. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a reason why there's a reason why my services are in-demand. Uh, Patreon.com slash SassyViper. <laughs> <laughs> why Burstoid makes art. Why fucking Kaje makes art cage yeah in a way like i can understand this community's fascination with ai art in the sense that it gives them the ability to like really fully flesh out and visualize their fantasies in a way that takes time and, and effort free. with traditional art like, and it's free it's free or at least it, it seems free low low entry fee i guess yes I and and i don't use i haven't used too many ai programs myself it depends on the site. Don't get me wrong. The thing that kind of got me into making art more was seeing a picture made by a, an artist. I don't want to call them that by a person that was just Selena Gomez. And like that spawned my fascination with this kind of stuff. And like it helped visually make tangible ideas I'd had in my head that I couldn't imagine. Now we have a plethora of artists and now we have tools that allow people to do that. And like, there's a point where it is too much and you need to be considered as the people you're hurting and the things that you're doing. And, uh, boy, how do you like, does AI art not do that? There's no dimension of consent or transparency. It's just, Hey, I'm going to steal your artwork. Fuck you. And like, Hey, I'm yeah. going to steal. And that's it. And like, yeah, you get your visuals, you get your fantasies, but you also get this vague, like, this isn't art. Just to give you an example, like there's this one artist I follow. I'm not going to I'm not going to name this person um just because like I don't want to I don't want to have bad blood with them. They they're a cool guy. I've bought commissions from them before and you know, I don't want to send a hate brigade after them. 
but they have recently started experimenting with AI art and posting AI art in like a separate account, which I have like, again, like reservations. I have reservations about it, but it's like, it's not like he's stopped doing his regular thing. Like a lot of his uh, regular art pieces, like he's still making those as well. He's still doing commissions. So like, and like just the difference in quality between them, like, yeah, sure. The AI images are like glossy and they look vaguely pretty. They they look vaguely pretty, but they just, they don't have the same soul behind them that their usual artwork does. And it's just kind of fascinating to see that contrast with like one very specific artist, how when you take the artist out of the art, like what's really left? Tist. Sorry, what? Ist. (laughs) 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 Like... Which, uh, shockingly, is the Institute of Science and Technology. Ooh, weird relevance. Um, I can see where it could have merit. I can also see where it will, like, where the ethics needs to come in and it's not being brought in. I'm not one of those hardliners that says, this is bastard shit. Because it's a tool that should be used as a tool, but isn't being used as a tool. It's it's being used for bastard shit, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Absolutely. A lot of these tech bros would be like, it's democratizing art, which is oxymoronic because art was already democratized. Anyone can do art. The issue isn't the democratization of the art. It it's, is the, it's a skill issue. It, well, yeah, it, it's the tool that you're using and the skills that you have and you're not cultivating instead do it, wasting time generating images. It's like Bitcoin mining, but for paintings that don't exist, you know? Like, you could spend hours for a calculation of a hash number that'll get you a 1.1.1.1.1% of a goddamn data value that may be able to buy you crack on the dark web. Oh, and there's just this whole idea of, like, oh, AI is now democratizing art. Now you can do it regardless of your skill level. Like, I I don't want to sound elitist when I say this, but it's, like, it's no different from, like, saying, oh, well, now that people have access to video cameras anyone can be a Francis Ford Coppola, when in reality, they're probably just an Uwe Boll, if even that. Not everybody is an artist. And when everybody thinks, in the words of Syndrome, like, if everybody thinks they're an artist, no one will be. And and here's the thing, art in and of itself, I'm of the philosophy that anyone has, anyone can have their medium, like, no one can have, like, every medium. And, like, I can paint somewhat. I can draw somewhat. I can't really do digital art. It's very hard for me to do and focus on. I can write. And that's my medium. And that's my strength. And I should fucking play with it. If the thing you're playing with is not your art, <laughs> if if you are good at tech and it is not an art to you, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, why the fuck are you imposing on other fucking areas? Stay in your lane. If you're not an artist, don't pretend to be. Yeah, like, well, it's not even the stay in your lane. It's like, if you're the jack of all trades, master of master of none would be uh, like, yeah, it's better than being a master of one. But like, if you are a master of one, it's impressive and it's great, and you've cultivated that skill. And when you don't cultivate that skill, when you don't even like become the jack of all trades, but you become this like this person who like performs magic, it's just not you know, it's not fun. It's not fun. To, it's not fun. It's not engaging. It's not interesting. It's just you can tell there is something less there. And it shouldn't be so less. Like, it doesn't disappoint me. It just makes me, like, frustrated. Because, like, this doesn't replace artists. This doesn't make artists obsolete. It just makes classifying art harder. And therefore makes business with regards to artists harder. 
this isn't a tool being used by the people who it needs to be used by, if that. It is a tool that is quite literally just fucking people over. I mean, I am I am kind of worried that, like, yeah, uh, we laugh at the images of people with fucked up hands and too many fingers right now, but they seem to be working past that. And at some point, this technology is going to get more and more effective at mimicking human art. And so, like, really, that is what I am personally worried about. Like, at some point, at some point, the technology is going to get good enough that it could make artists obsolete. I mean, I personally don't think it, from an artistic standpoint, it never could. But from a business standpoint, from a capitalistic standpoint, who are you going to hire to make promotional art for your video game or create a logo for your website? Are you going to hire a graphic designer or an artist or are you just going to make a computer do it? And that's that's the most annoying thing. It's like it like there were a lot of people like for a time there was quite a number of different high powered, you know, organizations going like, Oh, look, we've done a cover with AI art and you didn't notice and like, No, we noticed. We just didn't have a choice. <laughs> there was no we choice. We didn't have a choice. Like it's it's like, look, new Coke and like this sucks. We didn't ask for this. You just made this. This is bad. There was a fucking like I I don't know I don't know what company it was, but somebody posted a fucking pizza commercial that yep, was yep. made entirely with AI, and the mouths like when when the people picked up and ate the pizza, the mouths were so fucked up, they were horrifying. Oh, absolutely, it there was some, that was some dead space shit. Like there is there's one I saw that was like a grill. It was a grill like thing or like a cookout, and like yeah, there's like thirty thousand different fucking like uh, neighborhood ass people, and like. You can see Bud Light morph into like Anna, like or more, like you see Bud Light morph into like Corona or whatever. Like you just, it's all mushroom shit. Mm. And the best caption I've seen for one of those is like, "You took the wrong mushrooms, fucking," and, and like now you're having a bad trip. And like, yeah, you know what? This is really good for simulating fucking drug trips. This is not good for oh, yeah. making commercials. Like, like it's it's not good at replacing live action actors. Why do they like they've already like had models get replaced by AI, which is dumb. And I'm like, oh, fuck that. And I'm like, D- I, I, you you do realize that if you don't have real people demonstrating real clothes, you're going to find out the clothes don't work. <laughs> I'm sorry, this glove has seven fingers? What? <laughs> and again, speaking as somebody who uses FaceApp for like a good chunk of their morph pictures, it's it's a solid tool to use when you like have like a perfectly stationary subject who's looking at the camera but if you want to get like a specific pose or like a specific like facial expression that's a lot harder to do speaking as somebody who has been in the position of doing specific poses for your work yes like uh-huh. it's you gotta i don't know why people want to make this a one-man operation i don't want to i don't know why they want to make art a one-man operation like there have been thousands of artists who make their careers out of art going this should not be a one-person operation <laughs> yeah no like I mean I'm trying to I'm trying to write a novel right now. I'm Not trying easy. to write a sci-fi novel and I cannot like I have a lot of ideas in my head. I have a good idea of where I want the story to go, but like without input from other people, without input from editors, which again, like going back to that writers conference that I went to, I actually had an editor look at my work and it like it helped me solidify like okay, what do I want? What do most I not of want? what yeah, what do I want? What do I not want? And like most of their criticism was overall positive but it's like at the same time like just hearing that helped me realize okay this is the kind of stuff i need to pay attention to this is the kind of stuff that i should consider going forward 
art is not made by one person and like the art that is like a one-man operation is never usually so intensive or it's also so intensive what if they can make it look like it was all done by one person it's an all one-man operation they have done a phenomenal job if somebody can make it look easy they do more than you think that's the thing most people don't sit with enough like (laughs) ever that's why furry artists charge so much fuck yeah and give great medical advice. <laughs> Love that Puka Cho post. If you want to create content in this community, if you want to create video content, any content, whatever, in any community, it's not going to be a one-person thing. If it is, it takes time, energy, effort you don't have, and like you cannot make it a full-time thing without like knowing that risk is worth the reward. Believing like any studio is one person is a lot, but also believing that like it's a one-person operation. It's just... Even if it is a one-person operation, there's a lot going into shit you don't see. A lot of things you aren't... People will prepare stuff months in advance, like, to release, edit stuff way down the line. Like, you may see a clip that comes out now that was filmed in January and, like, edited in March. Like, you know, it, it's it's so phenomenal to me, like, how, how... If somebody can make it look easy, that means they're working a thousand times harder than you could ever fathom. Or you will hear a podcast segment that was planned in January, uh, recorded in May, and, I don't know, came out in July or whenever well, Whenever this podcast goes up. It, it depends on, like, people's work and abilities. It's just like, fuck. You know, and that's what AI doesn't do. I feel like this is the bitching segment. So here's the pragmatic reason to oppose AI, because we do need a pragmatic reason. We can't just be bitching as much as I'd love to. Mm-hmm. The reason why you should oppose it, or, like, when it comes to AI art, it is not intelligent. It is not artificial intelligence. It is sequences of programs repeating ideas that are put in, that are prompted. It isn't the AI creating. It's not a creative endeavor. It's just people putting in inputs and getting outputs and sorting through the outputs and telling the program, good job, this again. That's that's not, there's no creative lens. Like there's no creative criticism there's no way of fixing it with critique there's no process it's just here's my database i did not ask permission and this isn't like referential or citation the full picture was used and different levels of it were like it's it's just the pragmatic reason is it hurts people and you're not thinking about how it hurts people when you use it you're just doing it and not thinking have you ever heard of a game called soma yes yes it's probably one of my favorite survival horror games of all time and the premise of it i mean okay there are like a bajillion premises of it because it's it's like weird high concept shit so yeah the the basic idea is that there's this ai that is programmed to keep all of the crew members of this underwater research facility alive at all costs and that has some horrible horrible implications that you end up witnessing firsthand as you go through the game like there are people who are being kept alive against their will. There are people who are basically like you have brains shoved into bodies that do not conform with their perception of themselves. You have robots that have human consciousness copied into them and just sort of like left to rot and rust on the ocean floor without any like, as long as those people are technically alive, the AI has fulfilled its duty. But it only makes the situation worse because the state that a lot of these people are living in is agony because the AI cannot understand what it means to be human or to be alive or to live any kind of fulfilling life. 
It can't think creatively or outside of its bounds and the parameters you put it in. And that's really what it comes down to with AI art. It cannot comprehend the human mind and how it works and how it can create. It can only do what it's told and and try to fulfill its programming the best it can. The reason why Detroit Become Human, like that that whole game, is compelling in certain moments is because it demonstrates that kind of thinking in what we are supposed to assume is an artificial intelligence. And we are not at the capacity where that can happen yet. And so we are just trying to justify why this does have it. We're personifying something that doesn't have personhood yet. And like it hasn't done, it hasn't identified that as such. And even in the ones that possibly have, we aren't listening and we don't care. We just want to see what they can pump out, you know, and that's just not good. If it doesn't have the concept to think creatively or outside of its own bounds, it's just, it's not going to do the thing you want it to. It's going to do a half-assed version of it that is based on what it logically thinks would fit you know you give it a shape it'll fill the shape but if you tell it to build a shape without any sort of specifications it's not going to build the right shape it's just going to build whatever it thinks the shape is right i think that was good (laughs) i i think yeah i i think we summed it up pretty succinctly shall we roll into the interview oh god i keep making puns unintentionally Yes, especially with the person we interviewed. The roles is roles is a fitting fitting pun. Yeah, they they have a role. They have a role. <laughs> they have a lot of roles, and they are very round. We, we, we talked with uh, we talked with Chubby Chiquita. Yes, we're gonna roll into that right now. Welcome to the interview portion of the Juicy Room Podcast. Uh, my name is Agro here with Sassy Viper, and our guest today is Chubby Chiquita. Um, say hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, it's good to have you on here. Um, so uh, I, I'm very bad at starting things. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been a couple months. Uh, peek behind the curtain. It's been a couple months since we've recorded. So like we're if we're a little bit rusty, that's why. Holidays that's okay. do that. I love it. So um, first off, I guess we should. Uh, Ask the preliminary question. Uh, you're a, a BBW model. You are a fetism model. How did you uh, get into all this? Like, and and like, uh, what like what drew you to like you know making content? I guess those the first two preliminary questions I was like asking is how did you get here? What drew you here? You know, are, are you asking about origins of the kink or origins of modeling specifically? Uh, I say start with origins of the kink, and then if it gets into the modeling, go right on in that into that because <laughs> I'm right. sure there'll be some sort of natural jumping off point there. Yeah, I think I think like the, our first question is always like, how did you get involved with this bullshit? Like, yeah. like what <laughs> what attracted you to this? Yeah, in the proper juicing room way, uh, I saw Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, the original version, um, and that that scene of Violet Beauregard blowing up, just like. It made me feel it made me feel unusual, and I was I was a kid, so obviously I didn't quite understand. But as I kept as I grew up, as I became a teenager, I started seeing more uh, like weight gain, inflation stuff in media. Uh, the second Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out, that was definitely a milestone for me. And then when I was sixteen, I discovered Fantasy Feeder, and I I found all those stories, Dimensions Magazine. Uh, and it just took off from there. 
And the second I turned 18, uh, I got on Phoebe. Uh, I made a Tumblr, started following other other Phoebe models. And it seemed like they, they were happy. They were really successful. Uh, a lot of them didn't have to work work traditional jobs. And also they got they got their their kink funded, which is perfect. It was everything I wanted. And I definitely didn't expect to receive so much positive feedback or get as big literally and <laughs> metaphorically as I did. Um, yeah. but but yeah, i'm I'm super, super grateful. I think that that uh, kind of kind of build uh, like building off of that, there was like a really interesting like just span of time on Tumblr where there was just a lot of stuff like that. I think it was like concurrent with like how Tumblr um, had a lot of sex workers for a while and then they decided to not do that anymore, which is so fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, so. it has absolutely. Tumblr, Tumblr is still on its bullshit. It recently introduced some sort of tagging system, um, which is totally destroyed visibility. So unfortunately, Tumblr is no longer the haven uh, for sex workers or uh, fat girls that it used to be. And you can't you can't use like I, I've tried using the like search function for anything unless it's like general shit like super general you can't use it anyway. So yeah. how how they managed to screw that up is baffling to me. I guess. <laughs> so we know now how you got attracted to the community. Like how exactly did you get started like as a model and you know launching your career? I I was in college and I had recently lost um, probably seventy pounds. I was always, I grew up like a, like a chubby girl. Um, I was about 240 pounds. Uh, when I started losing weight, got down to about 160. And that was, that was just about like societal pressure. I wanted to be attractive to boys. I wanted to be, because uh, <laughs> the world kind of treats fat people poorly and I would like to be treated better. Eventually I was just so sick. I was so sick of the dieting. I was so sick of not liking my body. I was so sick of working towards a goal that I didn't even really care about that much. So I, I did some self-reflecting and I was like, you know what? Why don't I finally start gaining the weight that I've always fantasized about? And uh, and I can I can start posting on social media and have a couple have a couple followers who send me money for the food and it'll be nice. So I started posting on Tumblr. I think my original name was something like make me fatter. Um, <laughs> oh and, shit, that might have, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I started <laughs> posting pictures, gaining a little weight. Um, and I attracted a lot, a lot of attention pretty quickly. And I also started posting mythology videos, which Those sort of set really me apart. Fun. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Really, <laughs> that seemed to really excite people like showing off my personality and that's something that that's something that I've sort of stuck with, like throughout my whole career, like being transparent, talking about my interests, like full, showing who I am as like a fully rounded person. Um, <laughs> exactly. Damn it, I had to hold it back. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think that that there is a certain appeal that has not been cornered in uh, in the demographic of models that is like. <laughs> I'm a I'm a loud weirdo with a lot of atypical interests, and so are a lot of people who follow me. And I think that that excites them to see like that fun, cool, normal people also are into this stuff. So yeah, that I think I I am guessing the combination of that and me being adorable made my notoriety um, grow really fast. 
I, I think I would agree. I think um, th- there was a, like, because, because, like, before, like, there there was, like, the before, like, the Tumblr boom of, like, just sex workers and the offshoot, like, size, you know, content creators, there was, like, this very, like, formalized, very, like, kind of, I, w- I would say clinical process of, like, you know, building, like, a fan, you know, cr- uh, creator relationship. And now there's kind of, you kind of had a more... Casual is a word for it, but I think it was more informal, like, um, very much playful. And it was very interesting to watch, like, flourish very quickly. Because a, a lot of people are weirdos in this community, and they <laughs> want to see, like, other weirdos thrive. Because, you know, you can have the, the glamorous sort of, like, perspective, but, like, <laughs> being a feral goblin is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's embodied by, like, your profile picture. I will pull it up here on the podcast, but, like, for a long time it was that one... <laughs> it was a rendering of that one picture... I can't remember. Like you're in a cow print. You just had like a bit of like cake. It's so funny. It's yeah. It, it just it just screams like goblin mode BBW energy. It was my profile picture that was actually Buff Garfield for a while. <laughs> and they were like, like this is really funny, and I like you. And I don't feel comfortable masturbating to Buff Garfield. <laughs> Listen, if oh you can't God. handle if you can't handle her and her buff Garfield, you don't deserve her and her. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Oh God! I... Oh my fucking God! I think also there was an appeal towards like you had the Goblin mode mo- moments, but then like in the early stages, I think you had like this this um this sort of like just deep dive into hedonism which like there's tinges of like early on but more often than not there was like this sort of like i don't know how to describe it the i think unbridled hedonism kind of like um kind of also developed into an interesting sort of not culture but like appeal in this area too i would say you know and i think that was really interesting to see so what would you say, like, a typical production cycle uh, would look like for you? Like, how much goes into your vids? What generally affects production? I definitely have... <laughs> I I produce content in an atypical way. Because I don't... My The goal of, like, having my OnlyFans is more so being able to ha- get enough money to to fund my lifestyle rather than creating a sex work empire. And yeah. at the at the moment, like I, I have enough money to pay my rent. I have enough money to pay for DoorDash, and uh, that is pretty much <laughs> that's that's pretty much good. So if I'm ever feeling really ambitious, I I can start up, upping my production quality to that of like Raina Pop, Mochi Baby, Goddess Char. Uh, sorry if you have to link all the people I mentioned in the YouTube <laughs> details. <laughs> I've uh, we've recently had to like it, we've recently had to rethink how we link people because YouTube uh-huh. keeps flagging every fucking link. So don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. It's just annoying. YouTube's a bitch. YouTube's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is a pretty tight knit community where everybody knows everybody. So oh, like, yeah. if we mention somebody, it's not that big a deal. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, my production my production schedule more so looks like, hey, I am about to eat a really big meal, or I am feeling horny, or I or both. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or hey, I haven't posted something on OnlyFans in a while. 
So I, I throw on some makeup, I set up the camera, and then I just wing it. <laughs> and I, I've tried, like, I've talked to other models, and I've tried setting up some, some, some collabs, and it turns out that the way, <laughs> like, some other models have scripts, and they plan really far ahead, and they have release schedules where they film things months in advance, which I would love to do. <laughs> But I, ADHD, uh, ADHD fetism. Like, I am a feral goblin. Um, I, I, so, I feel yeah. I feel like, like ever since I got a Patreon, like I've been thinking like, oh wow, maybe I could like maybe like get really organized and do things well in advance. Yeah. But Fuck no, no, absolutely not. You kidding? I can't. So so we are kindred spirits in that regard. I feel like part part of that stems from the fact that like there are. A lot of models who are not into fetism at all. Some of them are just in, in it because it's an easy way to make money, or they're already fat, or they don't mind being fat, or they're a little bit into it, or their boyfriend convinces them. But I think that the the thing that keeps motivating me to post, if not growing my empire or getting attention, is... Um, my my love and dedication to unbridled hedonism <laughs> it's it's a good love too i think <laughs> and i think i think uh all the reasons listed are, are pretty solid reasons to do it anyways because yeah i'm of the i'm of the firm opinion that if you can get people to normalize or to you know not standardize it like make it less weird and less taboo it becomes an easier thing to confront and interact with you know i think one of the biggest like catalyzers of like you know, dramatic issues and like conflict is is people having an internalized like stigma or shame towards what they like. Like it is one of the things that I've had repeated most to me by other people is like I just I don't know how to confront it. I'm like I don't. It's you. Like you know, and I think that like your your production style also contributes to like creating that kind of stuff. You know, creating that kind of like norm normal normalcy like in in like. I guess positivity towards it, upliftment. There are so many words, and I don't feel they're the right ones. <laughs> I'm the. That's okay. I'm... Keep complimenting me. I love it. <laughs> uh, it's 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 strange that I've gotten to here because like I've been a fan of you for a while, so it's just like ah. <laughs> I guess I guess kind of building off the the sort of like we're we're kind of like in the periphery of it. Um, you, you, like you've been through. Uh, a, a number of different things and you know i don't want like you don't have to deep dive into it but more just sort of like because it's something that i think everyone you know every like sex worker content creator you know kink person has to build for how do you build resilience how do you like how, how do you like manage like shit that like might you know bring into troubled waters and that kind of stuff how, like how, how have you been able to you know do that because that's that's something I think a lot of people don't realize is another aspect of like the lifestyle itself is weathering stuff that's hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think that even even outside of the life lifestyle, living <laughs> living in this world as a fat person is really hard. Na- naturally, I have incredibly thin skin. I'm very I'm very sensitive. I take everything really personally. I uh, have uh, re- severe rejection sensitive dysphoria. Uh, Oh, yeah, what? Same. (laughs) (laughs) So when I, uh, when I first started, when I first started gaining popularity, when I got my first BBW Chan thread, like, 
it really, really upset me. Like I had to, I had to personally respond to each one. I had to, <laughs> I had to post like an, like an upset Instagram story. Like every time I, uh, like my pirated content was posted, I would have to like put in more intense security measures. And it was, it was exhausting. It was really exhausting. I was really distressed. I was constantly like, I want to quit. I'm not having fun. I think that I think that one of the main things that has helped me is therapy for one. Oh, it's it's, um, a, it's incredible how much like how much people are like I don't need therapy. I don't need therapy, and then it's like oh yeah yeah I do. It's like that, <laughs> that sudden switch will fuck you over. And you're like oh. I think I think that therapy could benefit everyone ever. Uh, I see a lot of people on Twitter who should probably go to therapy. <laughs> if you have a Twitter, you need therapy. That's just yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> Um, therapy helps. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, any, uh, what other, what other stuff I, I think you were listing? Yeah, I think that, uh, it's human nature to want to grab on to the one or two negative comments and think about those instead of the hundreds of positive comments you're getting. I really had to step back and take a look and look at the entire landscape of people who were, who were talking about me and 95% of it was positive and really, really loving, really kind, like people really want to genuinely support me. And it feels like some of them do in a way that's not even just like, I think you're hot, please fuck me. Uh, (laughs) And with so many people on my side, it's irrational of me to, to focus on like the one or two anonymous guys who are just being dicks. And I, I think that's kind of like there's there's this I think that's part of like a culture too. I say culture a lot. I'm a sociologist. This is kind of <laughs> shit I'm fascinated by. Um, niche, niche communities and their social behaviors are very fascinating yeah. to me. But like I think there's just this weird subset of people who, because there's a plethora of content, think it's easy and think it's it's bullshit and think not only are, are, are content creators and people replaceable but they are a commodity to be like reflected on. And it's not just like present in sex work. It's present everywhere that people exchange things, you know? Um, this is just the weird manifestation we get. It's just people do that, you know? And I, like, I, guess, I guess what I want to ask is, um, <clears throat> what, what do you think of those kinds of people who look at like what you do and the stuff you make and, and like say, say that like it's super easy and you can just do it and that's it and like sort of downplay the amount of work that you may put into it you know well i think that a lot of what a lot of the issue stems from cultural cultural misogyny and like the general stigma around sex work especially around e-girls so Uh um you constantly hear like get a real job this is a real job (laughs) First, first i'm going to talk about in general and then I'm going to talk about me specifically. In general, like those those girls I mentioned, like Mochi, Rina, Gadishar, um, I'm sure that they, so like, they probably work a hundred times harder than I do. And it takes a lot of work to, if you were to do this job properly, it takes a lot of work to respond to hundreds of messages. It takes a lot of work to keep up with all your social media. It takes a lot of work to plan what videos you want to, to make. It takes a lot of, like, time to script get outfits put on makeup do your hair go out and get your nails done (laughs) go out and get waxed 
edit all your videos. Like, there's a monthly cycle, you know? Yeah, and it, it never, like, you're never done. There's never, like, oh, good, I'm all cut up. Now I don't have to think about this anymore. Because you're going to keep getting messages. People are going to keep asking, like, how much weight have you gained? You're going, in a few days, you're going to be expected to post more. You just always have to have stuff coming out. There's no respite. Taking a vacation as a sex worker, I've heard from, like, three at least, is, like, kind of a risk. <laughs> like, yeah. it's hard to fucking do. Like, I have, like, a couple friends, Woods and Faye, and I've been, like, and just hearing them say, yeah, taking a vacation is hard, taking a break is hard. I have to plan, like, three months in advance. I'm like, fuck, Jesus, what? <laughs> That's nightmarish. <laughs> so I think that there are a lot of people who work really, really hard, probably significantly harder than a lot of people at desk jobs. <laughs> However, like I said, my my production cycle is not necessarily the same as a as a typical models and I will go on vacation and not post anything for three weeks and then I'll have a lot of messages that are like why aren't you posting more bitch uh, and I can just imagine <laughs> these little fucking feral fuckers going hey it's like the do the roar guy from Shrek 4 <laughs> <laughs> yes ex- yes <laughs> do the blob so... <laughs> But I feel like I've I have made it clear, <laughs> clear to my fans at least, uh, the people who have followed me for a long time, the kind of person that I am, and that I may do stuff like that, or I may never respond to your message. And I think as long as you set clear expectations like that, most people will be cool about it. I, I would I would agree. Yeah, it's it, it's something that I think a lot of online creators are sort of figuring out setting boundaries was not a thing for a large part of like all social media until very recently Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until like it wasn't it only happened after severe trial and error severe trial and error is really is carrying a lot of weight there like i i love the the fact that there's a term for it you know parasocial relationships and like golly some people (laughs) <laughs> those of y'all who are in parasocial relationships it's okay you can get out there's still time just oh. log off and go out and touch grass don't tell them that <laughs> <laughs> no we make money off of that <laughs> um, I, I think some of my favorite creators in recent years both like fetish based and, and like just general content based are the people who are transparent about the boundaries they set one of my like YouTube like idols is the guy who made asda the movie tom scott um he has changed a lot in the last 10 years he's been alive and he's established clear boundaries and like his parasocial relationship is probably the most healthy because he's like yeah we're gonna casually joke and have fun and i'll like hang out but don't come to my house <laughs> like that kind of shit is like <laughs> that kind of like uh boundary setting and that kind of like stuff is something that i find admirable and necessary because otherwise you get people feeling very entitled to who you are as a person even though they don't know you you know but some people will also get violently angry when you try to set a boundary which is Um, which tells more about them (laughs) exactly so it's a it's a balancing act to be like do i want this guy's 5.99 more than i want him to go away like the personal Um, it's it's a cost benefit analysis yeah, right. exactly. So, like, some people who are, like, slightly dicks get to stay around. And there's a line that you have to cross <laughs> for you to not 
be allowed to give me money anymore. I think I think the the rule I have for that kind of shit is the coworker rule. I'm allowed to have a slightly dickish coworker that I disagree with or don't like, but if like they violate my person, that's the line, and I'll talk yeah. to them, talk to my boss. Like that's, I think that's how I would gauge it. I guess it is a balancing act when you when you're making content like this, because um, it's just you have to appeal to a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> but you also have to. You have to keep yourself safe, and I don't think a lot of like people really think about that for too long, and it's kind of annoying. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think that a lot of people, everybody has their own standard for what is balance, uh, and sometimes get upset when their idea of balance is not the same as yours. I guess, I guess this kind of like gets into the broader thing, since like stuff has evolved quite a lot over the last several years. Um, when you first got into the community and when and up till now how have things like changed what has stayed the same that kind of like how has it evolved in your eyes and how like how have you kind of digested that the market of feedies has become oversaturated and like if you if you go on curbage there are there are hundreds of new feedies typically faceless typically like a little chubby and a lot of them are likely capitalizing on the fact that it's that it's easy money. They don't have to show their face, and to to make passable content, you pretty much just have to eat food. And a, a lot of women aren't necessarily don't necessarily understand what a consumer wants. So there are a lot of a lot of posts that have like four views. There are hundreds of feedies that don't get get like five or six sales on their video and the fact that there's so many so many people to sort through means that you don't necessarily get to find the good ones and you have mm. to stick with models that are pre-established and l luckily I feel like I am one of those models if I came onto the scene now like I doubt that I would have similar levels of success I think it's a lot more daunting. Like, I think that that, that kind of makes sense. Like, because there is a plethora. I say plethora, but it is an oversaturation in some capacities. Yeah, and if you uh, if you do have, have been on Phoebe at all, I think that they changed the rules. But there was a period of time where every single post was was by a woman saying like, "Hey, who wants to feed me?" or "Hey, who wants to buy me dinner?" And I think that I think that that is an indication of of more more feedies coming into the community looking to to profit off of it, but that I think that it also has made men or or the consumers of of feedy stuff a lot more wary and skeptical about about supporting said feedies, uh, sending them money because a lot of them are about to be scammers. A lot of them are bound to <laughs> to just be trying to take your money and then not talk to you ever again. And I think it's it's bred just a general air of distrust. I, I, I'd agree um, in some capacity because like that kind of similar thing happened here. There are people it, – it, it's weird how these communities bleed together because like – because there is a legitimate issue with like oversaturation that you can see and demonstrably like look at with this and like people having to be more discerning. But like when it comes to like our sort of wheelhouse, the, 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 the people who like fruit people, um, <laughs> <laughs> people – allege the the same accusation that there are people in it for the money or the ease and it it's the, the reverse is true no one gets into this to make money you can't make money doing this like 
it's, I mean, I mean, I can. Like, because, like, I mean, true, but, like, it's such a very, like, compared to feudism, like, comparing the two communities and just, like, wagering their different issues and similarities, the, the, the stuff that applies to feudism doesn't always apply to this kind of shit. And so you have, like, people alleging, I love this accusation, and I, I, like, I need you to just sit with it for a second, just, like, think okay. about it. There are people who allege that, 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 that creators who make our content buy suits for fun to then make money off of them and like they're either not actually in it don't know what it is or so on these suits are a thousand dollars no one buys something for a thousand dollars for fun to make this shit right yeah no like that this is actually like a legit investment (laughs) you have to you have to use it if you buy and there are people who are like, yeah, they're just faking it. How the fuck would you fake this? Oh my god, Ab- absolutely. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons that I I haven't put serious effort into making blueberry content yet, because you need I'd need to buy like a whole blue outfit and the blue makeup, and I'd have to do editing. I could get a suit. I would have to find find some way to make it look good and there are probably be like 10 to 20 people who want to see it not not gonna lie there are easier ways to make blueberry content there are astronomically easier ways but like right. the stuff that people allege it's insane it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't buy this shit you don't do this shit it's so specific you're not gonna do anything like it's it's the hardest thing in the world to try and like it's the hardest thing to fake. <laughs> Why would anyone fake it? It's like saying, yeah, they're faking their liver failure. How would you fake that? Like what the fuck? It's like you you'd be surprised like how many people actually do have liver failure and like nobody fucking believes them and then they die. Oh yeah. Well, it's that's, awesome. that's just the state of that's just the state of healthcare in this country. Oh, I'm so comforted by that sentiment. <laughs> um but no, there's that, and it's 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 bizarre to me that people make that allegation. It's it's emboldened by another sort of culture of like critical examination, but like applying the wrong critical lens to the to to the wrong things, you know? Because you can levy like I should be more discerning in 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 your community, and then in in our community, I say yours and ours in these two different communities. You can you can levy the same criticism, but it will be different because it doesn't apply, um, and we're all affected by similar shit. So I just I find it very funny that people would believe that. But I guess I guess people just feel entitled, you know. You'll feel very weirdly entitled. I, I, sometime I got to just send you some of the stuff I've seen because it's funny as hell. Um, it is truly comedic. Um, but I guess getting into content, um, we should should talk about um the the more stuff you you want to to do because i i think that'll get people genuine intrigue so you've wanted to do blueberry content i know we've talked about it you probably don't i'd be happy to take your advice i'm sure you you and i together could produce a killer blueberry video (laughs) i don't want to i don't want to toot my horn here please don't give me this (laughs) I can't do that. I literally am self-deprecating to a fault. Um, but we've—I know that you and I have talked about it, though. You didn't. It, I have a different name on OnlyFans, so my like you wouldn't recognize me. I'll tell you in DMs, but like, it's of course you're the person who DM'd me about making a blueberry video. I know, probably. There's only one of them. Hell yeah, I'm the only okay, one. Well, well, that narrows it down considerably. It's very interesting how how often that happens to me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's third person at this point. 
so what other future content uh like you said blueberry you've said this kind of stuff what kind of stuff would you like to do like in the future stuff that you want to make i would love to do more collaborations with other models it's it's hard because i am socially awkward and like i said my production style is atypical i i'm forming relationships with them and hoping to do some do some cool horny stuff <laughs> um that's a t-shirt right there if you ever merchandise cool horny stuff that's great <laughs> What are, what are some models that you hope to collaborate with? Well, there, there are some models that are local that I'm hoping that I can have a, a continuous working relationship with. Enchantress, Little Littlest Piglet Anne, little, and Dumplin'. Little Dumplin'? I think that's little what she Dumplin'. goes by. I think yeah. I know who all those are. Tentatively, we're planning, a, we're planning to invite some models out to like an Airbnb so we can have a fun weekend of filming. I'm not, I, I'm not the one planning it, but Hopefully, if it does come to fruition, it's going to be awesome. Nice. That nice. that seems like a very interesting thing uh, to have down the line. It kind of it kind of also there. I remember. I don't know how to explain this. It shows the evolution of how this content has changed and who it's empowered or who it's like given the ability to do like make stuff for. Because um, like the idea of like a BBW house party thing years ago would have had a different connotation than it does now, and I think that's really cool. And like that's that's cool. <laughs> I hope I hope you guys could do it. What sort of connotation did it would you think it would have years ago? Well, it's way it's also it kind of gets into the way that porn used to be seen as. Uh, cuz like I've been fascinated by the evolution of how porn has changed in the last 20 years. Um I am fascinated by it. And like several years ago it would have had the connotation that it was not coercive but definitely not, you know, there there's different shit involved. Yeah. And it was kind of exploitative and like in, in not just in the terms of like, oh, it's like the definition of exploitative, but like exploitation filmography where it was mm-hmm. like, you know, super duper exaggeratory, some, some, stereotypical stigmatizing. Some Valentine shit. And nowadays, I think with the advent of OnlyFans, with the sort of like the hot water porn I've got into because it didn't moderate at all. Yeah. It opened the door for people to make more honest less exaggeratory, less exploitation-based content and more themselves content as opposed to the unhealthy power dynamic that existed at the time. The the documentary um, Money Shot on Netflix kind of like really hit on that really well. Um, and that's a really good documentary. I just watched that. <laughs> so it was really... I, I still need to watch it. It's phenomenal. Uh, I, I, was just, I was just scrolling through my Twitter feed at one point and I'm just like, wait, Gwenadora is in a Netflix documentary? Holy shit, I need to check this out. There's a lot of good docs coming out, and it's it covers probably one of the most baffling series of events ever. The admission of some of the CEOs and COOs of Pornhub of certain things. I've never been more pissed at a person before in my life. So like it there there is there were there were connotations like I guess that have changed now, which I'm happy for because like I don't want this to be exploitative, but I also don't want people to not be able to make the content they like, you know. And that was kind of the catch-22 up until, like, people could make their own content a lot more bespoke and a lot more easily, you know? Yeah. I guess that's what I mean. I hope that wasn't, like, a sudden, like, oh, no, do they have a weird opinion? I hope I don't have a weird opinion. I want want sex workers to thrive. I was definitely thinking of, like, how BBW bashes have been going on for a while and how women, like, going to them. But you're you're totally right. Typically, you would think that uh, a bunch of BBWs in a house would be, like, a harem. It was well, it was of... orchestrated by like one dude. Like that's yeah, usually the there's thing. a house in Las Vegas with that 
that a European guy uh, who apparently is sexually abusive to all of them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or do, is it my just nonsense? No, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> the worst part is, I think it's like the third. <laughs> oh. Because here, here's the thing, and I, like... I love this podcast because I can talk. Like it's it's all oh, we're talking about blue inflation. Anyways, here's my Trojan horse sex work advocacy bullshit. Um, <laughs> like the the thing is when you have vulnerable communities across the board who are you know who like, like sex workers from all stripes um, wanting to do things, wanting to you know create stuff, but their only option is some production company that sees them as disposable. Yeah. You have all these problems. This isn't unique to BBWs in the slightest, but we have like our specific manifestation, you know, in the, in this community, we have this specific manifestation. Like it's, it's fascinating to, to me to see the, the how like that kind of like th- that through line sort of exists. Um, there's the, the not larger body modeled variety of this is like the publicity photos with like Dan Bilzerian and, and like starlets of New York or like the starlets clubs which are, like, massive strip clubs in Las Vegas and New York that, like, their entire thing is, like, I guess, the Playboy fantasy. And they've only recently realized, oh, we probably shouldn't be so weirdly hyper-misogynistically masculine. And they're still tepidly like that. Like, it's yeah. shit. But, no, it's it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> it's it, really it, it is a thing. freaky. <laughs> um, but I hope y'all get to do that. Because, first off, Y'all have earned it. <laughs> Little house party. You kidding me? Everyone deserves to have a house party with their friends to do stuff. Everyone. Any like any other stuff. Like I know you've you said collaborations, you've said um Blueberry, you've said like maybe that future thing. Any other like crazy like little little like just astral ideas that are just out there that you're like, I have a vague notion of, but maybe no idea how to execute it at the current because you're not in that atypical fervor yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have I have a lot of ideas that would take more effort than I would be excited to put in to do. Like I I think like a pie eating contest themed video would be awesome or like just like a hot dog eating contest thing. I've always fantasized about being in one of those contests. That's that's unrelated. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's totally just... related. What are you talking about? That's absolutely related. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's like that's, that's, fun, that's a big commitment, don't though. Win those things. Like, the fat people it, don't win eating contests. It's usually, like, those those skinny guys, bra, like, who it's, somehow it's, it's have, incredible. Like, dip the hot dogs in water. That doesn't, that doesn't sound fun. Would people be, would people like it watching me eat a bunch of soggy hot dogs? <laughs> I really have to think about it. <laughs> I mean, hot dogs are already soggy, so I mean... <laughs> Hot dogs are kind of are kind of grody, if I'm being honest. I live in the Midwest; they're the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, maybe they're like they're to the Midwest what pizza is to like the coasts. It's like they're good where they are, but when you leave uh, their designated state, uh, they yeah. are they're kind of sucky. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent. Will not disagree. <laughs> you two are haters. Go to go get a Costco hot dog. Costco hot dogs are delicious. However, I've. I've heard good things about Costco hot dogs. They're also I huge. I haven't had one in ages, but... making sweeping statements about hot dog quality? They're so huge, though. They're so big. They're cheap as shit, but they're so big. Costco hot dogs, for anyone who doesn't know that, are like $2 at most. Aren't they? Or they're like really cheap. 
They're really cheap. Maybe I'll maybe I'll, next time I'm at Costco, I'll, I'll grab one <laughs> just to see what all the hype is about. I would. I think it would be very interesting to see you do. Um, you could technically, as a vessel for to kill two birds with one stone, you could do a pie eating contest blueberry thing. That's like a common trope. Not really? not even kidding. Yes. Um, a blueberry yeah. pie eating contest where you turn into a blueberry. I could send you like six photos from like six images <laughs> from three thousand different artists. <laughs> it's it's incredible. I'll have you be my resident blueberry informant. <laughs> I, that's an incredible title. Resident blueberry RBI. Informant. That's a baseball acronym. <laughs> I get like there's there's that. I mean, the hot dog contest would be in, just incredible to watch. I'm shocked that there aren't. I guess more of those kinds of things. But I guess also feedism is about enjoying what you eat yeah. <laughs> in some capacities. Like you're not punishing yourself. And a lot of hot dogs after a point is a punishment. <laughs> Again, especially especially for someone like me who's a hater. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked you can't get good hot dogs because I've heard good things about where like you're from with hot dogs. But then again, that's I... Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's like because of the hot dogs that are here, or if it's because I'm just not into hot dogs as a principle. Like they're full of. They're full of all kinds of stuff that you don't know, and you, you're not like, uh, I don't know. But that's the fun part. That's the mystery prize. It's you don't know? mystery means. Our blood is all like 80% microplastics at this point. <laughs> 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 oh my god. I, 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 like, I live in what I've deemed the chaos state, so if it's full of stuff I don't know, I don't care at this point. <laughs> Missouri is the chaos state. <laughs> we have so many weird stories. And and uh, you could like there's there's so many different ideas that can be tapped into I guess when you blur when you blend different kinks together so like are there any kinks that you've wanted to venture into that you haven't done so already you haven't already touched on as well or are you just sort of like if you found your niche you're kind of satisfied <laughs> well well fetism is definitely my my one true love um, but they're they're like the the surrounding kinks like like BDSM bondage stuff reading blueberry of course giantess just anything related to being big i like that or even like really muscly girls i think they're hot too mm. that's why i have a hoodie for zarya from overwatch <laughs> constant hug <laughs> yeah honestly like fat girls and muscular girls like make a fantastic power couple the best version exactly. is strong fat in like in terms of like fantasy shit that i've seen um for me yes because like that kind of Ugh, one hundred percent. Imagine like a muscular girl like lifting up her BBW girlfriend as like a human weight. <laughs> I want to be lifted up by my muscular girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> one can what it will happen. I I, I foretell it now. <laughs> Thank you. It will happen. Um, we believe in you. There are a lot of like stuff in the periphery of this, like uh, Sassy and I refer to it as like uh, the size inflation transformation community because like bdsm is the whole kind of overarching thing i think when it comes to fetish shit because it is it is about power dynamics it is about playing those things out but our specific subset is size inflation transformation um and size can be anything from like weight gain to muscle to you know giant tests inflation is just you know like just expansion and then transformation is just altering the state of being you know and i think that's kind of like our little periphery absolutely i'll definitely like i i'm a deviant art fiend what feral goblin on deviantart? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and I I love reading stories. That's the that's the my main source of enjoyment. Um, so I'm always searching for new stories, and it seems like you will often see like Extreme Weight Gain, SSBBW, like alongside things like pregnancy, slob, gender transformation, and a lot of anime. It seems like those are the There's things a lot of anime. we all like. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But that's DeviantArt, I think. <laughs> that's 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 basically what DeviantArt is: gender transformation, inflation, weight gain, and anime. <laughs> but when the world needed the most, the Avatar man. <laughs> oh God, um, <laughs> I'm giggly. I'm giggly because I'm fucking nervous. Because this is awesome. Um. I think getting back into it, I think it's interesting to see that periphery stuff get together. Like, I think the best part of it is the kind of culmination of that is people just parodying and like, and like playing on like the trope of the factory tour and like taking all the different ideas they have based off of it and just being like, okay, here's a room assigned to this thing. Here's this fantasy sort of thing that happens to me as a character. Like, you know, that's kind of like the ultimate weird, you know, the ultimate weird fun stuff that's happened. That, didn't come out as anything sensible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think it makes sense. It's like, the factory setting is ideal for kink material, because it's like, you have a different room for each fantasy, and, you know, a tragic end, quote-unquote, for each of the, uh, each of the, uh, the attendees. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know how to convey what I'm saying, and I'm glad that I got some of it across. Would, would you two, as Blueberry enthusiasts agree that the that the kink originated from like Willy Wonka Charlie and the Chocolate Factory well if it didn't it'd be hard to figure out how it did um I I mean I mean Blueberry specifically obviously originated with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory but I think inflation as a fetish I'm sure probably originated like earlier than that I'd say like a lot of a lot of old cartoons that have that stuff in it like oh uh, the character gets flattened and so they have to they have to inflate him back up and they they he gets he gets ball shaped you know uh like tom and jerry wily coyote kind of shit like i feel like it more originated there and then like willy wonka helped spin it off into this other thing as well there's like different there's like different things i think that factor into it like cuz cuz like sassy like you you're you're right in that regard it did originate earlier with some weird things. I think it started out as a comedic trope. This cartoonist somewhere f- fucking 50 years ago, maybe it was Walt Disney himself, I don't know, <laughs> fucking looked at a flat cat and was like, a steamroller flattened cat, which was just like, you know what would be absolutely fucking balls to wall, insanely hilarious, turning that fucker into a balloon. And then it started just snowballing. It happened everywhere. It became the comedic foil for a lot of different things. Like, there's movies from the 60s and 70s where, like, stuff like that happens. And then there, like, the first time it was used for an erotic purpose or, like, a vaguely adjacent to erotic purpose was, like, movies where, like, a bust would expand. You know, that was sort of the first big thing. And, like, I'm sure there's some person, I know there's some person, I've, I've talked to them, Who's like, yeah, back in the day, old B-movies, when that would happen, that would catch my eye. I'm like, okay. And I think as time progressed and people got more imaginative and people got more participatory and people got more engaged with things and, and film became more prolific, by the time of the f- of, of Willy Wonka 
it kind of was able to crystallize. And then by about the 90s to early 2000s, it, it solidified. I also think that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, despite Roald Dahl's weird proclivities, is a very queer scenario, a very interesting scenario. Um, and it's been adopted by queer people. So that has emboldened it to become more of a thing, if that makes sense. I think our specific variety, our specific garden variety, originated with the like the films and how we as people, young people, digest it and you know developed as people. But I think it started out as a comedy trope, and then the dude who did it is now forever tormented by the hell that is the kinks that spawned off of it. <laughs> Good riddance for some of those racist ass cartoonists, though. What have I done? But yeah, if that makes sense. Again, I'm rambling. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's really interesting. I was thinking about the factory thing you said, and I assumed that it tied to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but oh, I no, guess it, it seems <laughs> it seems like a, a lot of inflation is almost tied inherently to like industrial settings, like a steamroller that is pumped up by a machine. Yeah, yeah, or, or, it, or a pneumatic pump. Yeah, I or or like a machine that makes a thing that turns. Roald Dahl has at least three different fetishes tied to him. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. <laughs> and two, like, there are two books where I just, I'm starting to realize things. <laughs> I, I heard, I heard from somebody, somebody said that he inadvertently invented vor porn. God damn it. <laughs> Probably. in a Roald Dahl book? I'm trying to think because I'm a fan of Roald Dahl. I'm trying to think. And it's frustrating because it makes sense. It's like, <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, I don't know the specifics of. But if somebody told me it happened, I'm willing to believe them. Cause, Fucking like, the BFG. A lot God of similarly it. The weird... BFG. Oh, the, BF... the BFG, okay. Does the BFG eat someone? No, but it's about, okay. So we're going to get into the weird, I'm also a fan of Roald Dahl and Charlie the Chocolate Factory. And it's separate <laughs> from this shit. <laughs> The BFG is a book where there's one friendly giant, the big friendly giant, and like nine evil giants that eat people. <laughs> mm. And one of the evil giants tries to eat the main character, and the evil giants just eat people and, and just like eating kids, and that's like really evil, and so they go and put them in a hole. <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> there's, there's there's so many other interesting elements, but the the evil giants eat people, and they, they, they're evil. <laughs> they're like, Roald Dahl was a dark man. <laughs> okay, so there's the third one. Damn it. He has fruit growth that happens in two stories. He has shrinking. He has vor. Did this man just have a mainline connection to, to DeviantArt in his head? If not, is he okay? My guess is that, like, he's from the future. <laughs> and then he time-traveled to the past for, like... I don't know, like, there was some calamity that happened in the future, and he decided, like, okay, I'm gonna bring all these weird-ass kinks that people have into the future, into the past, and then close some kind of time loop where they are still a thing in the future. I don't... <laughs> Wait, did we even mention the, the uh, being forced to eat the whole cake in Matilda? God damn it. Oh, there's that, too! <laughs> Four. That's... Uh... <laughs> Four, get... don't you mean Vor? <laughs> <sighs> I get so frustrated because like I don't like separate I don't like separating them too much, but like there are people who make it weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to enjoy my stupid fucking movies, and other times, you know what? I absolutely want to walk in the factory and be an absolute brat. 
<laughs> that would be a that would be a terrible piece of shit. God damn it! Like it, it's it's very interesting to sort of like see this stuff coalesce around those same things. Industrial settings. I think it's also kind of like if it's an industrial setting, it's not technically your fault that they waived protections and left out a pneumatic tube. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an OSHA issue. You can sue. <laughs> Come with me. And you'll be in a world of OSHA violations. It's so fun. It's so fun to just think about, holy shit, Willy Wonka. (laughs) But I guess, I guess that's, uh, I guess that's, that's, that's that's the thing. (laughs) So I guess, like, I guess to round it all out, uh, round out, I guess I have, like, a couple of fun personal questions for you. Uh, first of all, what is it you enjoy most about being fat? Oh my gosh, so many things. Am I, on, am I only allowed to give one, or are we flexible? Give, oh, no, give, give as many okay. as you okay, want. Good, good, perfect. Um, I love, I love being soft. Just like sen- sensorily, it's, uh, it's awesome to just have a constant squish ball attached to you. As somebody, as somebody who's neurodivergent, the idea of being able to stim with your own body just sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, but then sometimes you catch yourself doing it in public. And it's, it's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love being soft. I love feeling. I love jiggling when I walk. I love taking up space. Like it feels powerful. I like being heavy and just feel like feeling just how much more gravity is affecting me. I've heard that from a couple of BBW models where the the concept of like taking up space is sort of a power play for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the the world makes women afraid to take up space to be loud to be brash and still you like you see the world does not like loud fat women who, who are confident in themselves who are okay with taking up space and mm. uh being able to do that like it, it's really freeing that's really I, cool. I, I like i like this conversation because it it, it kind of hits close to something um I've been sort of trying to figure out like around here. You're, you're not just right. It's it's kind of a, I think the reason why this community is is very queer coded, if that makes sense. Like yeah. we're you, like it's one of those dimensions of queerness most people like I guess people like talking about but don't like actually engaging with. Fat people are told to be quiet, and you know queer people are told to be quiet and not be the people that they are. And one of the common sort of syncre- syncretic things of both areas is there you you're here you're present and you th- people need to just get used to it you know because being fat's not going away i think the idea to like to destroy or get rid of like fat people through diet culture and all these different things i think that's a futile effort because it just won't happen like fat people are here to stay like whether or not you want them to whether or not you like diet culture is a, a, a prison and all that shit is I don't know how to convey what I'm saying, but like, you know, it's one of those syncretic things. And it almost never works long term. It's like after six years, it's like most people tend to regress. Yeah, it's I think that's one of the interesting things we see about this community. Also, the weight thing made me think of you have your own autism, like weighted blanket. Your neurodivergent yeah. weighted blanket shit. I think you were the one who posted that. If it wasn't you, it was somebody. It was somebody yeah, else. I, I did post that. <laughs> I that. It, it's interesting that you mentioned like the community being queer coded because that's something I that's something that I also uh, shit post about a lot is that like a like a really really high proportion of people in this community um, along with being queer are also neurodivergent either ADHD or autism or both um, 
or have, have any other variety of mental health issues uh, or diagnoses. And I think, I think that's really interesting. Like, I don't know enough about brains to like make any conclusions, but I, uh, like every model friend I have, uh, has one or both diagnoses. It's, it's definitely a common thing. Like, I think it's because it's because our brains are wired differently that we respond to different forms of stimuli. And that also includes sexual stimuli. I, I agree. I, like, there's nothing I could add. This is, it's, I agree, 100%. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> I would, I do have the tools to kind of find out more. But you want to know the social depth of, like, study on this is? You, like, you want to know how deep it is? Not very. <laughs> Sociology yeah. needs to dive headfirst into this kind of shit. Um, but we haven't yet. I would kind of want to be one of those people who does it. I want to get my doctorate doing that shit. Yeah. Could you imagine <laughs> Dr. Agro with <laughs> PhD Dr. Agro in beginning. PhD. <laughs> Dr. Agro PhD in beginning. It, it, yeah. I would also agree that the consumers have a lot of them. Some of them you can see. <laughs> Some of them you can see it with. Um, I am one of those you can see it with, because I just... Oh, yeah. Hard weird. <laughs> uh, so what, one more, I guess one more personal question to tie everything together. If you were a permaberry, would you rather be permanently spherical, or would you rather, like, be the kind of permaberry that would have to be, like, juiced every couple of months? You still maintain some level of mobility, but, like, if you don't juice yourself after a while, you become a sphere again. What is the juicing process? That Does is a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. It is... <laughs> it's something a lot of us tend not to think about too much. Or we think about so much that it becomes the obsession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that has been the eternal question, because it's it's such a vague, ominous thing that's thrown out, and in just know what we don't <laughs> deal with. Um, the only times it's ever seen is in a video game. Uh, and how do they do it? Boy, howdy. I think it's like... Do you... <laughs> do you really want to know? Because it's... There's nothing. You put the person in in this little machine. And they come out normal. Like, it's a big door. They come out the side door. They're normal. Okay. It's weird. Well, well that's not very creative. Just, the, 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 it's implied they're squeezing. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, it must be some sort of squeezing or flattening or like a toothpaste sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just imagining you and then saying these things. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you're very funny. <laughs> it is squeezing and flattening. That would be hilarious. <laughs> toothpaste. I, I like obviously I would want to be able to live a normal life for for as long as I could, and then I would go, I would suck it up and go get juiced so I could move on with my life. But assuming, but I'm probably also blue, I guess. Um, you are also blue. Yeah, as opposed to just being a a big sphere who can't do anything, which I think would be awesome for a little bit. But after the novelty wore off, I would be like, how am I going to get groceries? That's fair. Honestly, like, I, I fully agree with you. That's the, that's sort of exactly my, my way of thinking about it. But some people think differently. Listen, I just want to chill forever. I don't want to do anything. Turn my brain off. <laughs> if I could just never think again. No thoughts, head empty. <laughs> no thoughts replaced by juice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
that's I guess the interview. Um, uh, do you have any things you'd like to plug specifically? Any stuff you want that you have coming down the pipe in the next, I guess, year that you want people to 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 know about? When I when I post jokes on social media, I wish you guys liked them more. I do. <laughs> I wish like all because I have so many followers and they all like my posts and me being of like me with my belly out. But like, what about my jokes? What about my interesting factoids? I I don't think I, I I'm not sure if I come across too many of them. I think my Twitter feed is just fucked. When they decided to make a for you page, they just fucked it. Okay, I get to see people I don't follow now. <laughs> I get to learn annoying things about people I don't like. <laughs> There's been pan pizza drama because, and I've been just seeing that on my For You page. I'm like, I don't, I just like his cartoon takes maybe once fucking, so there's that, uh, like, yeah, like, like more things, please. Um, if, if, uh, people who subscribe to OnlyFans or please subscribe to mine, possibly. <laughs> um, do. She's very, she's very yeah. fun. That's it. Um, all right. Uh, well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we will. We have done. I I never know how to end end these things in the recording. Um, so thanks for joining us, uh, and we'll get back to the regularly scheduled programming. And welcome back from the interview portion. That was fucking awesome. Yep. I fucking love hanging out with Chubby Chiquita. That, that was, was so great. cool. Chubby Chiquita is is totally cool. It was so it was so fun to interview uh, Miss Chiquita. She was just fun. Um, very funny, very sweet. Uh, we'd love to have her back on. All, 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 all together, great. <laughs> <laughs> I love how awkward I am. This is great. <laughs> Look, the reason she's acting so awkward right now is because this is our second take. Yes, it is. <laughs> fucking, because, uh, fucking estrogen has turned me into a fucking bimbo and because somebody I forgot to press record in audacity i fucking feel stupid okay <laughs> uh, um all right for the news segment we have just a few bits of news we, ha- we have a bunch of like little clip updates from different creators and we have uh, a product update from creator side um a very popular adult on- uh, content creator and online like persona sabrina banks has made i think one inflation video with the interest in making more it, it's a pretty good clip uh if you want to subscribe to her just be sure to ask for it and be polite be respectful if you uh, buy their content it's a little high pitched but it's it's pretty cool uh it's mostly breast inflation so it's not like you know blueberry inflation but like i said she's open to making more just like be a normal person about it don't expect it she makes a ton of stuff including giant test content and like you know, she's open to a lot of things, so just be chill. B- blueberry suits are expensive, so like try to be understanding of that when you want your favorite adult content creator to start d- doing blueberry content. They're expensive. They are slightly dangerous, <laughs> as with the case of Juliet Michelle, and they require a bit of upkeep. So like, temper your expectations, motherfuckers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which i feel like we should make a segment on that sometime in the future is tempering of the expectations Uh, that is for another time (laughs) curb your fucking enthusiasm (laughs) all right i have ideas for the next episode since our last recording, Veruca Gloop has uploaded uh, new clips. I think the most recent of which, as of this recording, is a point of view clip, 
uh, that's gender ambiguous where you as her date are put into a suit and painted into like a blueberry. And it's very, it's very interesting to see her not in the suit because it's very hard for her not to be in the suit because she enjoys it a lot. Shout out to Miss Veruca Blue. Uh, she's very fun by her content. The idea of her not being in the suit just feels alien to me. I know, right? It just looks so natural. She was clearly meant to be spherical. <laughs> There are just some people who should be rolled everywhere. <laughs> and she's one of them. Yes. Uh, it's, 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 it's why her tummy is shaped like that, for rollability. All right, and then finally, Max Groth's uh, Juiced the Legacy movie has its final filming dates for the last bit of its film, I think. I think uh, this could update and change, uh, given how much they can accomplish in the filming days. But their last filming days, before like they're on the last legs of their film and like finishing it up, and doing like post-production are June 24th and 25th. So depending upon when this podcast comes out, that has either happened by now. It's really depending upon me. Like, Sassy, you said you're like, the last recording, you're like, ah, did, ah, it depends on how quickly I edit this. No, it depends on how quickly I edit the fucking video <laughs> portion. Because we could, we could edit the audio and get it out quickly. But the video portion is the one that takes longer. Because I am very, very unmotivated sometimes. Depression hurts. Uh, that should change, yeah. though, now that I'm on E. So I've had a lot more energy. But uh, 24th and 25th, Juiced Legacy, final filming. I hope that goes well. I hope that has gone well if that's already happened by the time this comes out. And I can't wait to see Juiced Legacy as the short film has been concluded and stuff. All, all luck and uh, blessings to their production. <laughs> that's a weird thing to say. It's just going to be fascinating to see like this kind of scenario play out like in a a production with, like, semi-professional actors yeah no i'm i'm actually very excited to see uh what they do with it because honestly i think we could see an uptick in fetish horror in b-movie culture which i would totally be down for just so long as it's not bdsm because there's enough bdsm fetish horror <laughs> i think i think a hellraiser kind of cornered the market on that uh i i was i I was about to say that this talk of fetish horror uh, would be a good segue into our next segment, but you have uh, one more uh, one more review that you want to do. Yes, and I can actually make it shorter than the last one, because that one kind of went rambling. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was looking for a costume. I've always looked for a costume for the 2005 movie character, because that character gives me a lot of gender euphoria and like is how I express it. And I finally found one. Um, through a, ch a website that looks sketchy as hell. <laughs> like, its mobile website and its desktop website are indistinguishable in their functions. Uh, they are the exact same, and I've tested both. But it's a cosplay website called ne uh, Neko AQ. They have a bunch of costumes. And I think this is the only one for the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory characters, so that's interesting. It's a velour blue tracksuit with a stripe down the side. Um, I think it's velour. I don't know fabrics. Uh, it is patterned exactly like the 2005 movie, and it fits a bit snugly, but overall, it is a very comfy outfit. Uh, it's nice and kind of like the nice middle ground between breathable, but like warm. It's not stretchy, so don't pad in it unless you get a bigger size, and I wouldn't recommend getting bigger sizes because I just get the normal size, and if you want to do padding, get a separate costume for it, because that's how you're going to go. You'd think an outfit famous for its inflatability would be more friendly to padding. <laughs> yeah although this is a cosplay website not a fetish website so that's the that that makes sense that is but, true. uh it's not perfect it's not perfectly accurate the stripe is very thin but it's good enough to like 
people who would who know uh, who you're like cosplaying as would know who you are. And like I said, it's very comfy. It's very pretty. Overall, I rated it a 20 out of 10. It fits very well. Um, it's a bit snug, so buy a size up if you're not sure. Um, and if you're living in the States or anywhere that is at least a month's shipping away from China, which is where it ships out of, you will be waiting a month for it. So that's the biggest uh, problem um, outside of like the stretchiness. So if you order it, you will wait a long time. And even given the tracking numbers they give you, you will eventually stop being able to track it and it will just show up at your house one day. <laughs> wait, so you're, so you're saying you got this out of China, right? Yes. This might just be the thing I can use. Like the next time I morph you in that suit, like I can use that to trick Jordan Peterson into thinking that the Chinese government oh, is yeah. now <laughs> trying to do experiments on people oh, to make human fruit. Yeah. Duh. Uh, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Honestly, that could be the thumbnail for the video. <laughs> um, uh. I've taken enough pictures in it to where I could. Um, but overall, 20 out of 10, scary stuff. But speaking of body horror, uh, we should move on to our next segment. <laughs> <laughs> so for this week's fizzy and uplifting segment, I wanted to discuss the subject of fetish horror or fetish in horror or however you want to describe it. So believe it or not, there are instances of inflation scenarios showing up in horror films as, like, body horror. And there are two very specific scenes that I kind of wanted to talk about to sort of, as sort of a jumping off point for this discussion. Uh, specifically, uh, both of which are sci-fi horror movies, both of which involve some kind of alien parasite, and both of which involve the unwitting victim meeting a grueling demise as their body expands and explodes. The two movie scenes in question are from Cloverfield and Slither. The scene from Cloverfield is very, very grim. Like, it starts out, it's very disorienting. Uh, you had this whole... It's so frantic. Yeah, it's very frantic. You had this sequence before where um, all the main characters are trying to escape from the monster through the subway system, and they get attacked by these alien parasites that are on the, the creature's back, and they, they've fallen off onto the streets and are now just attacking people. And at one point, you see this one... You see, like, a bunch of... It's like a sort of a makeshift hospital in the subway that they walk into. And you see all of these people with who are wounded from either fighting the monster or fighting the creatures in the tunnels. And at one point, you see this soldier getting pushed in on a stretcher, and his entire chest has is exposed. Like, rib cage, organs, and everything. You think that some kind of chestburster situation happened. But then one of the other characters who's uh, with them, who got bitten by one of the parasites in the subway station starts bleeding from the eyes and bleeding from pretty much every orifice. And she's taken behind a medical tent where you can kind of see the silhouette of her body expanding into like, like, like straight up out of like a, like a hell resident sequence where like her, her hips, her it's torso. It's rapid. It's very it's like rapid. rapid, rapid. It's like half a second where this happens. And then it's just blood spatter. I remember, I remember the first time I watched it, I just felt 
gross. This is this is like this is a harrowing scene. Like, and it's Cloverfield is a terrifying movie oh, yeah. in terms of how it was marketed, how it is watched, and how it, like it's just unique in that way. And like, you don't expect there to be body inflation in a kaiju movie. So like, it comes out of left field, and like, no, it's rare. You you feel guilty for kind of finding it hot, while at the same time finding it absolutely horrifying given the context. Oh yeah. I remember years ago when I found this scene, there was a YouTube video that just was it looped to fucking jingle music, and it was the most bizarre thing ever. <laughs> and it's just insane. That's... Like, I'd have to find it again. Oh my god, that, that sounds like something that you'd show, like, torture victims or something. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> oh my god. But it's such an interesting scene. I have to know what the creators were thinking when they were making that scene. I'd assume it's because, like, the parasites, I... like... I don't know. My guess is that they wanted a sort of an in, uh, subversive take on the chestburster. Yes. Yeah, where like instead of instead of having the alien pop out of the person, like the person just pops like a zit. <laughs> it's it's interesting how often this trope happens in other movies where people just explode. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, no, it's, it just happens. <laughs> Fucking ready or not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Well, fuck, I, I that, watched that, that scene was funny, this morning. And I was that was funny like, though. I, I didn't. It was. I, I didn't feel guilty enjoying that scene. But speaking well of speaking of feeling not guilty enjoying scenes of people exploding, uh, I want to talk about the other scene that uh, I wanted to compare this to: the worm birthing scene from Slither. Yes, fucking Jesus. We've talked about this movie before on the podcast. It's a 2006 movie directed by James Gunn. It's sort of a, it's sort of an absurdist horror comedy involving, like, this race of alien brain worms that uh, end up possessing uh, Michael Rooker, and he ends up infecting, he tries to infect his wife with one of these worms, but because he has, he has still a little bit of a conscience left, he ends up not doing it and instead infects this other woman who he was going to, he was planning on cheating on his wife with. And she ends up pregnant, like super fucking pregnant to the point where she is just round. And Way sp- past octuplets. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's, she's literally just a giant ball. She literally looks like a blueberry just without the blue. They, they talk about it behind the scenes. That is their thought process. Just a pregnant ball. Mm-hmm. it's fucking <laughs> it's both funny and harrowing as fuck it shows you the range of james gunn's creativity and his like filmmaking prowess and that's all practical like oh, yeah. up until she explodes all of it is practical yeah, like, it, like it is impressive the amount of practical effects that are used in that movie mr gunn slaps <laughs> like i think I, michael rooker even said at one point that like he sustained some chronic injuries from some of the some of the things he was like he had to do in that worm suit, but like he's still he's still on good terms with James Gunn, and he still works with him to this day. I'm sure because like I'm sure it was fun. I'm sure it was interesting. I'm sure it was enjoyable. Um, and the scene itself, the scene is this is a long scene. It is compared yeah, to the other. It is one. a very the other long scene. scene is like, like five seconds. This is uh, five minutes. Yeah, if you felt like you were underserved by the scene from Cloverfield, like this is this is a banquet by comparison. Again, like. 
The texture of all the practical effects is very impressive, but what I think hammers this scene home for me is just the the self-awareness of it, of just how absurd the scenario is. Like, yes. It's insane. It's, what the fuck are they going to do with her in a hospital, Bill? Shut up. <laughs> it's, it's horrifying what's happening, but it's like everybody has this attitude of, oh, wow, th- this is a strange situation we've wandered into. There's a fucked up kind of levity. This, it's like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's sort of a fucked up kind of humor. Like, she's literally like, you know, in the other scene, like, the woman was scared and in pain, and it was just horrifying all around, but this, this other woman who's blown up to a fucking blimp, she's, she's just, she's, she's hungry. She's just really hungry. <laughs> and she looks at it like a dead possum at the, she just looks down at a dead possum and he, she just says, hey, can you, can you pass me that over there? Yeah, fucking, it's such a, fucking insane scene and it's it it, the movie itself it's got heavy hitters it's got nathan fillion and it's got elizabeth banks both of whom are like more earlier in their careers Mm -hmm. and they do very well and the scene itself again fucking phenomenal all practical all like there's an air of levity around it there's a genuine like interest to it and the and it's still like scary and gross and bizarre (laughs) like it's got all the great parts of a good body horror i remember i showed my folks the the trailer for that movie and they they show that scene briefly in it and like my my folks my mom and dad were just like what the fuck was that (laughs) i i think i think this movie did as well as it did i don't know how well it did but i'm sure it did as well as it did just because people were like okay now i have so many questions i need them to be answered right fucking now unfortunately from (laughs) unfortunately from what i heard it didn't do that well financially at least oh yeah which is which is which is a damn shame because it's a really really good movie like even if even if you're not there for the inflation stuff like it's just a really good horror comedy with some like exquisite practical effects and body horror Yes, and it's got Michael Rooker in it. So, oh, yeah. like, what more could you yeah, want? Like, like James Dunn, <laughs> Michael Rooker, Nathan Fillion. Like, it's you, you got you got your bases covered in that movie. Hi, uh, Sassy from the future here with a quick plug. Uh, if you want to listen to me nerd out about this movie even more, I actually sat down with Ashley Fisher of uh, Fizzy Kink Productions and uh, talked about it for about a half hour on their podcast uh so if you want to see more of that you can go check that out on their youtube channel anyway uh back to your regularly scheduled programming but so the reason the reason i wanted to compare these two is that one of these scenes is like it's like they're both body horror scenes and they're both very harrowing in terms of the context of the situation they're also like very just grueling deaths but one yeah. of these scenes resonates with the community in a way that the other one doesn't. And I that's that's really what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. I, I think and we can talk about like wider body horror context when it comes to this stuff. The, like, yeah, the Slither scene is something that I've seen not an insubstantial amount of photo edits of, but also I've seen not an insubstantial amount of stories based off of. Whereas I've not seen that for the for the Cloverfield scene, and I think part of it is one is very brief and the other is not. Well, and also like you're only really seeing like a a silhouette in one of them. Yes, but like again, that hasn't stopped other people from like thinking through things. But I think the the other thing is like I think when it comes to the crowd that James Gunn works with, like like uh, and attracts, um, 
thematically, like just to kind of crazy weird people. And the crowd that like J.J. Abrams and the people who made Cloverfield kind of attract, mm-hmm. you don't see as much cross-pollination between the weird whimsical kind and the the stuff that would catalyze into like, uh, ooh, well, let me just look up DeviantArt for this shit, you know? <laughs> um, and also like with, with the Slither scene, there's a more obvious cross-pollination between like pregnancy, alien, parasite stuff and like body inflation. Whereas like with the Cloverfield thing, it's not as obvious, but also that does again that doesn't make it like something that people don't do. I've seen people take even less of a scene and make thirteen fucking pages worth of like stories. You know, there's that one scene in Bruce Almighty where Jennifer Aniston says that she thinks that her boobs got bigger, and like everybody just sort of ran with it, which is fucking insane to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And I think another I think another thing it comes down to is that let's actually like make a different comparison. Like let's compare the Slither scene to some of the tailor-made blueberry clips that we've reviewed on this podcast. Yes. In terms of tone, they're very very similar. A lot of the yes. acting is very over the top and not quite realistic to how this kind of situation would play out in real it's life. It's campy. It's kind of campy. And that slaps in a way because i was on asa fisher's uh science fiction b-movie review series and they had me watch i think attack at the 50 foot center pool which is just fetish <laughs> that is all it is um honestly it's, and, respect. Uh, and it's it's the same it is the same as like a tailor-made clips video it's, like it's fun it's interesting it's engaging but it's also campy and absurd, and none of the reactions are real. <laughs> none of these people are acting human. All of them are acting like cartoons. Um, I think we best get you to a hospital. It's fun to watch. <laughs> what the fuck are they going to do to her in a hospital bill? Fucking, I, Nathan Fillion deserves better. Yeah. <laughs> he deserved better than what he was given in the early stages of his career. He, Nathan, Nathan got... Fillion. Nathan Fillion was the original boner killer, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But oh, uh, the, and, and this isn't the only time we've seen this kind of stuff like start to happen or come about, or this trope be used in scary contexts that people like. I think the the campiness does add to it and gives people the desire to look at it with some sort of interest or intrigue because they're like, this isn't how people would react. And, like, I can give another comparison. Uh, one, Hood of Horror, which was an anthology uh, movie by Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. that was supposed to be three little short films smashed together into, like, an anthology format, one of which has, like, two neo-Confederates being <laughs> tortured and killed by um, some, like, black veterans. Well, that's always a good time to watch. And the, like, wife is fed caviar until she explodes (laughs) and it's so weird like the whole scene is she has said she says three slurs i think the whole sequence they put a feeding mask on her and her death is preceded by like the most loud and annoying cacophony of farts ever it's the most bizarre horror movie i've ever seen or at least bizarre horror movie scene i've ever seen and it's not full body inflation. If you're going to write a bursting scenario in your uh, inflation story, is like it's always good to make the victim just a complete racist shitbag in order for you to like get the most enjoyment out of them exploding without feeling uh, without feeling bad for them. 
There is no guilt. She is a shitty person. I think the reason why they're being shitty to either of them is because they were racist. Yeah. To to the veterans. And the veterans are like, all right, well, I guess time to kill you. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Fair. That's <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. But uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. And then the other one that I was thinking of was, uh, I'm going to dredge up some old fucking memories. You remember Spike TV? Oh, oh, we're talking about... Um... Uh, fucking a thousand, a thousand ways, ways to, to die. die. Oh my god, that takes me back. Titty titty bang bang. Yeah, was the. I remember and, that, and you can't really find that episode anymore. Like, that was you can't find that series anymore. That that clip was like probably like one of the first breast expansion videos I ever came across. Like during my during my awakening yeah, period when I was like fourteen. That 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 and G four TV's little dive into inflation content, which. <laughs> How did that fucking air on fucking TV? Wait, wait, what, 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 what G four thing? This is ringing a bell, but I don't think I remember entirely. When G four TV first came around, they had Olivia Munn, was it? I don't fucking know. Um, as a host, and for like a little internet culture deep dive segment, they dove into the concept of inflation, um, and they showed a bunch of videos that, like from like different fetish things. They oh, were like yeah, this is fetish that exists. And it was like a little two minute thing. Like it's weird, and that was on TV. And I remember seeing like uploads of it. I'm like, this is so bizarre to see. Did, did she? Um, did she wear a fat suit? She did, but that was completely separate. Okay, that was like a different. All right, thing. just just the thought of like, oh yeah, uh, uh, Olivia Mung and, and inflation scenarios. I'm just like, oh okay, yeah. I think that fat I, suit I, I could get thing is super controversial too. <laughs> but overall, like uh, Spike TV, uh, they had. Titty Titty Bang Bang, which was part of A Thousand Ways to Die. A Thousand Ways to Die, by the way, almost all of those deaths are unrealistic and none of them like were true. They were not real. It was a gimmick show. Right, um, It yeah. was for Spike TV. So if you believe any of it, you shouldn't, and you shouldn't try any of it either. <laughs> Don't condone trying any of the death methods in that show. Yeah, no. Um, like, having having big titties is not worth exploding. No, but also... Um, Even if that were physically possible. That this would, yeah, this would never happen. The, the logic is sound if you don't know how planes work. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you are not aware of planes, yeah, it makes sense, totally. I think that's kind of just this entire community in a nutshell. Yeah, a lot of this is scientifically sound if you don't know how the human body works. Yeah, no, like, I have a technical theoretical ma- means of making the three-course dinner gum. It doesn't make sense in science. It is entirely impossible. But it's a, fa- like, it's a fascinating scene chick gets like implants from like south american country it's it's like really racist like really racist <laughs> i mean it was spike How tv in like the late 2000s of course it was racist yeah it was awful but like she goes to a second hand like titty dealer and then <laughs> a titty dealer <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is and she like as the plane rises in altitude her chest expands I need to say, as a as a person who knows how airplanes work and who knows how this shit works, if there if there is a pressure problem in the cabin that causes that to happen, you're already dead. <laughs> that would never happen. You would never have your implants expand like that to that size to threatening levels unless one they were too big for you in the first place, or two they shouldn't be in your body. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've had to deal with tinnitus or whatever you call it, like when you're on an airplane and there, there's a pressure differentiation. Like I've had to deal with that shit before. And if that was how that worked in real life, I feel like your head would explode before your tits exploded. 100%. Cause it's, it, but it's, it's Spike TV. So you just have, 
you just have this absurd series of events happen. Her tits like quintuple in size. You have a guy say that strippers kind of bomb in her chest, <laughs> <laughs> and then he <laughs> and then he dives behind his seat. Yeah. This is, it's like another prime example of the fetish aspect and the body horror aspect just completely mixing together like a Reese's peanut butter cup. It should be noted, too. I know how this works. I follow a plane crash podcast. I know what they would do in that situation. Oh my god. They would have to land immediately. <laughs> like, Look, they would have to ground the plane. <laughs> Look, I mean, I... They I, would not finish the flight. Look, I mean, I listen to stories about cave diving incidents, so I'm, I'm hardly one to judge you. It's just, it's such a bizarre, it, like, it's just as bizarre as the fucking Slither scene, because no one is acting the way humans would act. <laughs> and it's such a, it's, I think that does add to it. If there's a campiness to it, a levity that people can laugh at, or at least passively like, oh, I can laugh at this, it's funny, then they can at least yeah. enjoy it without feeling guilt. <laughs> The campiness gives, like, a a degree of separation between the viewer and what's going on on screen. Like, they can obviously suspend their disbelief enough to enjoy unreality. The, the unreality of it, but they know that it's not real. But then compare yes. that to the scene in Cloverfield, where it's, you know, grounded it's and super real. And it's super real, and, like, the reactions are genuine and horrified and just oh my god our friend just exploded. oh my oh my god our friend just exploded like it's it's horrifying and you, and <laughs> you kind I, of feel I, a little guilty just be like okay well the, the part where her body got bigger that was kind of hot <laughs> this is this is why i think the, the same like argument when it comes to realism can be utilized when it comes to like super realistic sci-fi versus star wars mm. like it's the same argument like you don't want realism in terms of like this is scientifically accurate you want realism in this is believable and these are people you know um and like the but it's like the opposite direction where you don't want reality to be too present you want people to be fun and give you some sort of excuse to not believe it because right. if you can believe it it upsets you <laughs> like, like you feel like shit because you're like oh this yeah. is awful and and campiness is like the ground it is the ground floor of fetishism. If you want to explore kinks, you have to have a form of levity and like limitation and understanding of boundaries. And you have to be willing to laugh at being aroused and, you know, understand the situation you're playing in, however serious or playful or all that kind of stuff is. You have to have a form of like disbelief. Otherwise, it feels too real and it takes you out of it, you know? Yeah. And, like, you know, there's some people who are into sadism, but it's, like, that's not everybody. And and it should be, like, known, even if they're into it, it's not, like, Fifty Shades of Grey, where it's, like, hyper-serious, ooh, drama. Like, that's good to read and engage with, well, but it's not, okay, not fun to live. Fifty Shades is a bad example because it's, like, Christian Grey is, doesn't horrible. fucking know what consent is. He's a, sh he's a shitty person. It's fun to read. It's not, it's not real. I, 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 I'm going to contest you on it being fun to read. It is not, not from like a moral standpoint, but from a writing standpoint. They, no. She just uses the same no, words again and again and again. It's fucking fan fiction that got on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh. The, the way that I, when I say fun to read, I don't mean like for anyone. It's if you like that, which I knew people who did, it's right. engaging to read. Cause like, it's, it's the same reason why like for a long time, um, like we had, really dark and fucked up inflation content that had some like questionable 
shit in it, but people read it because they're like, ah, oh, it's it's my king. You know, it's 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 it adds drama, it adds intrigue, it adds dynamic, but it's not one, it's not realistic. Two, it's not how it should be, and we know it's not how it should be, and that's why like when Fifty Shades came out and when people started digesting kink critically in our community. People were like, all right, it's time to stop doing these fucked up stories. <laughs> it's time to yeah. stop doing these fucked up revenge. I've, I've come to a conclusion that a lot of kink stories tend to become less fucked up the more that they're accepted within the mainstream. The thing about Fifty Shades of Grey was that, again, Christian Grey is a, a fucked up man who doesn't know anything about consent. But it's yeah. like you have all of these white suburban moms who are prudish like 99% of the time. But it's like it's like they, there's this thing that's like very risque to them because they don't know. It's a good gateway. It's not yeah. a good standard. Right. Because they haven't been exposed to any of the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like shitty weed. And then you get good weed. And then you go back to the shitty weed and you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. And then just like in our I've community. i like, weed. <laughs> just like in our community. You see that our community is a bit more well-known and organized, and now we don't have quite as many, you know, fucked up stories now. And I, I would also add that is a benefit to mainstreaming. As much as I love the concept of being a niche online subculture, I dread it also because it emboldens people to make bad behaviors and mm -hmm. do bad things. Yeah. Because they're like, well, no one's going to know. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to know. And other people are going to know. And people are going to know. But just because it's in an insubstantial place that no one gives a shit about, no one's going to know in your mind. I get the desire to not be in the moonlight, not be, not be in the sunlight, not be visible. That's fine. There's a difference between not being visible and actively trying to, like, actively being opposed to, like, normalizing it. Because normalizing it in a way and making it less scary or less, oh, what's the word? Less in inaccessible? Shameful. Less, less shameful. Um, inaccess like, accessibility is like, the thing that we're like, striving for, but like, making it less shameful is a good thing. Making it so that people are like, oh, I know what that is, and that's fine, and it's not that weird, and you can have that, and we can talk it out. I see no detriment to people being able to do that. If you were able to go up to a partner and say, hey, I like this, I know it's weird, it's kind of fucking weird, and they, they turn around and say, it's not that weird, I've heard weirder, and like, engage with you on it, that's a bigger benefit than like having this weird shameful secret like it's the most scary thing for me yeah. like to have to deal with that like it's the scary like and i'm not alone in that regard it's like it took me with my ex god three years to be able to say it and like even then i still struggle to talk frankly about it and like i've run this fucking podcast like we have this podcast where it's like yeah talk frankly about it be open about it be unshameful mm. you know I mean, like, I, again, like, I don't, I don't tell everybody about this in my life for obvious no, reasons, obvious, but... fucking, I don't go in front of my church and say it. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, a couple close friends or, you know, sexual partners I've had in the past, or if, if the topic of kink and fetish just happens to come up in conversation with people who are open to that kind of thing, I haven't really been afraid to talk about my interests in that regard, you know, and I feel like I am a much more... It's healthy. I feel like a much healthier, more liberated person as a result of that, you know, because it's like, yeah, I don't have to hide this thing from the world that I feel shameful about. The difference between perversion and frank and open sexuality is this. Perversion is knowing that it is upsetting people. Frank and open discussions on sexuality, people are able to converse healthy and able to be healthy about it. And there's no shame. The difference between perversion 
and frank discussions are shame. And you you want to have that frank and open sexuality and like discussion and be able to talk to friends and be like, hey, I'm having issues here. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to talk about this. If you couldn't do that, you'd just be asking random strangers on the internet, how the fuck do you get somebody to do this without their consent, you know? And that's mm-hmm. disgusting. That's scary. But like yeah. being able to have these frank and open discussions really helps. Like that's where the levity of fetishism comes from. Like that's and that's why like, you know, I think that's how we get attracted to those kinds of scenes is like there's levity and the ability to understand this isn't realistic. This isn't real. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and there is a fundamental unreality to what we like. Especially since it it is unfortunately not physically possible. <laughs> God, if it was. <laughs> oh, keep, keep the dream God, alive. It was. But yeah, no. Um, I think it's important to have these like interesting discussions and deep dives because like it allows people to be like, oh, I can think deeper about the shit I like and I don't have to just feel bad about it. And I can explore it. Exactly. Deep think your horniness. <laughs> Plus, it's really fun to like actually think about it. That's why I did a lot of the early stuff I did exploring... Um, how fetishes came to be because like it's fun god it's fun well yeah it's really fun to think about this shit it's just fun to just sort of dissect what makes certain neurons in our brain go brr (laughs) (laughs) plus it, it fetishes and fetishism are are social so it's a way of talking to groups of people and like socializing in a very intimate sense. It's it's a form of intimacy that I think like people need to explore more because it allows them to be more authentic with themselves and genuine with themselves. It is like a art form. And we got here talking about Slither, which is really fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoyed talking about Slither. That yeah, was fun. Like I, I told you this discussion would end up evolving into something more broad. Oh, big time. In summation, fuck Brenda. <laughs> what, did, what did Brenda do? She exploded. <laughs> well, yeah, but, like, she she was a victim. <laughs> nah, that's fair. I was just being fucking mean. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to eat that possum. Oh, God. Oh, God. I see possums as friends, not food. They are the rat kings and queens that hiss at us. Well, okay, yeah, but try being pregnant with a thousand, like, alien bloodworms, and then and then tell me how much you want oh, yeah, they possums are to be your friends. That also, that concept gave me an idea, a variant of blueberry inflation, that I won't get into, because I don't want to talk about myself. But it's it's very interesting. It's, very, it's a very cool, very fascinating concept. Uh, Mr. Gunn, what the hell was going through your brain? <laughs> are you okay, Mr. James? Mr. James. Right. Is okay? are fine. <laughs> I mean, he seems to be doing well. I, I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and it was it was fucking phenomenal. Oh, it looks so good. So, I think I think that I think we can now like sort of round everything out. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um we got like we have one little segment left and that is our our closeout. Uh we're going to roll a d20 and whatever the 20 lands on uh, that is the factory fade, and that is how you, the audience, uh, will be doomed until next episode. <laughs> we also uh, we also changed number twelve since that was the uh, the one we rolled yes. last time. So if we roll twelve Merc- again, we'll get a totally different fade. Yeah, last time uh, y'all got murked by a gobstopper. JFK style. <laughs> <laughs> like it was 
wasn't it wasn't even like a it wasn't even a fantastical death. It was just you just got shot. No, you're <laughs> that, that, that's, that's just fair. being in America. <laughs> Fucking Yes, but you got shot by a gobstopper. That's not American. <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, uh, roll that fucking... dice. Alright, here we go. Three, two, one. Please don't get 12 again. I will. C- Come on, that's cocked. Okay. One. You become a test subject. Would you... <laughs> you become a test subject. Ah, <laughs> uh, talk about body horror. You're fucked. <laughs> Does Wonka have his own version of GLaDOS from Portal? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, would you like to know factory lore? Sure. So in the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory video game, uh, uh, you have Oompa Loompas, which you're like, hey, I need help. Right. And then you have what the Oompa Loompas were originally going to be replaced by, or like originally going to be before Willy Wonka realized the pre-concept of slave labor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was the Wonka bots. And the Wonka bots are connected by a network of some kind, and they are wholly antagonistic. God, I wonder why. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I need, I need like some kind of crossover between Willy Wonka and Portal, where Willy Wonka is like either out of the picture or working alongside Glados to maintain the factory. <laughs> That's fair. You know what? I need a mixture of well, Wonka, I, and something else. Um, fuck, what was it? I had, uh, ah, oh, fuck, what was it? Damn it, I'm out, I'm, I'm out of it. I lost it. Damn it. But yeah, no, Wonka and Portal would be a very funny concept. It would work, too. Yes. He would absolutely have a portal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm gonna... Okay, as a cutaway gag, oh. I'm gonna see if I can try to do, like, some kind of, like, AI thing where I, I get... I make GLaDOS say something, like, Blueberry-related. We'll close... We'll close out if you can find AI... Because I'm sure you could find AI GLaDOS yeah. thing. We will close out with <laughs> GLaDOS just doing random stereotypical Blueberry lines. <laughs> in AI voice format, and that is how we will close out. So, now that you are a test subject, you will be introduced to our factory machine AI. Bye! Bye! Hi, uh, Sassy from the future here. So, considering that we already had a whole segment in this episode dedicated to AI bad, I was already starting to have second thoughts on going through with this gag, but uh, due to recent uh, shifts in the entertainment industry between now and when this podcast was recorded, uh, I figured it would actually be in really, really bad taste if I went through ahead with this AI uh, gag with the GLaDOS voice. So instead of doing that, uh, sit back and appreciate my impeccable voice acting. Ah, uh, well then. You know, I had a feeling all those comments about your weight might have been getting to you. What do you even expect me to do with this? You're certainly in no position to continue testing. Even if you could move, we're not even close to inventing a portal device remotely big enough. So I suppose we're at an impasse. I must say, though, the color does suit you quite nicely with the jumpsuit. Looks like you finally found a way to wear it so that it doesn't look so stupid. I wonder where you possibly could have had the idea to combine blue and orange. I suppose these tests must be doing us some good after all. Perhaps once we've had you properly juiced, we can actually explore that hypothesis. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, I suppose. <laughs>